Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to whatever episode this is of Dunzo. I am Troy McKeady, and I am so incredibly beyond excited for this episode this is my first time ever doing anything like this so this is huge I always say that the episodes are milestones so like at this point it's like a parody I'm a parody of myself but this actually really does feel like an actual milestone event um I am joined today by Lisa and Jacqueline from the Eat Pray Britney podcast guys how are you hi Hi, oh my gosh this is huge this is a huge, huge deal. We're doing something major. It's a crossover what? event. <laughs> yes, it's the crossover it, event of the century. It, uh, this is the Xena part two. So I know that the first part of this episode already aired. And we I mentioned how it was like back-to-back Xena episodes. Like they used to do the Hercules crossover episodes. <laughs> and I'm so excited that we have now gotten to Xena hour two. Because who doesn't want two hours of Xena when instead of one? Yes, it's the two hours Xena Hercules special. Um, so by the time that you guys are hearing this episode, obviously it's Friday, and you will already have had access to the first part of it. Now, if you don't know, we are breaking down the unreleased Britney Spears folklore album, <laughs> Original Doll. And we decided to split this up into two parts because we thought there's so much to cover and there's so much information from the story behind the album to the actual lyrics of the album, these songs and the reason that they weren't released. So we've broken this down into two parts. The first part uh, was made available on um, the Eat, Pray, Britney podcast on Monday. So if you didn't know that, you can actually listen to that now. I would advise listening to it first because I'm a completionist, and then coming back to this one. Um, and then the first part of the episode, we just kind of went over the the folklore surrounding the story of Britney going to Kiss FM with the demo and trying to regain control of her life and all of the craziness surrounding her life at that time. And today, we're going to be breaking down the actual album. So we're going to be talking about the songs, the song titles. You guys know I love a song lyric. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a lyric person, so I'm really excited. Yeah, and this is definitely the album for lyrics. Yes, this is such a lyric moment. Like, this is like, this is Britney, I think, at, at like her, maybe a songwriting peak? I think oh. the creativity here, yeah, like, it's clear why Britney, I feel like from these lyrics, it's clear why Britney was so proud of you know, wanting to get this album out there and have people hear it because 
she's saying so much in these lyrics and they're really good lyrics. Totally. This would have been her opportunity for the world to view her in a different light and to view her as a quote, real artist. You know, she's talking about stuff that's so undeniably universal. And a lot of the themes in this album are, I mean, it's stuff that we saw other artists go on to make an entire career based on people like Lady Gaga. And I mean, there's so many moments in this album that like, would have been massive, massive cultural moments had they been allowed to happen. I really wonder if these songs were released, what the cultural response would have been just because it would have been so far ahead of its time. Think about when Blackout ultimately came out compared to when she had been working on Original Doll. And, you know, I think some of these songs were really part of the In The Zone creation. So she's been well ahead of the curve and it is kind of a shame she didn't get credit for that. And Blackout wasn't even appreciated the way that it should have been when it came out in 2007. So yeah, I think you're totally right, Jacqueline, that this would have been even before that. And people, even what these songs sound like, I feel like people wouldn't have been ready for that because they sound so unique. Like there, I don't think there's been anything since that I can think of that a lot of these songs even sound like. I couldn't agree more. I think that this would have gone on my favorite flop shelf. This would have gone next to like American Life and Glitter and Art Pop. I would have placed Original Doll (laughs) right beside it proudly. And I probably would have loved this album, but it does have the vibe of an album that maybe would have taken like, you know, 10 or 15 years for people to understand or appreciate. I, I just, as I was reading through the lyrics and listening to the songs, this week it I think the substance of it is what struck me more than anything I mean I haven't listened to these songs in a little while some of them are on regular rotation but some of these I was like oh what does that song sound like again which is pretty rare for me it was really fun to like re-experience the album I had honestly forgotten a lot of them I, I think maybe because there's so many there are so many unreleased Britney songs. So sometimes it's hard to keep them in order or remember like what album they were supposed to be for or whatever. And with this album, because so much of it is, um, you know, the information is so pieced together by like fans. Sometimes it's like, it's easy to get lost in translation. Yeah, I think with a lot of these the the lore like you said Troy and like the folklore around the whole album and all of that I think in some ways actually I was wondering like would these still stand up to like the hype that's been placed on them and in some ways they're actually even more groundbreaking than I I remembered them being and I feel like for some of them like they're almost not even hyped enough considering what what she's talking about what the themes are what they sound like because again I really think some of these songs could have been released now and and have done well totally agree with that I think like they would have made a splash they definitely would have made a splash right like they would have been a big deal just based on what she's talking about they would have been a big deal but I do think over time like it, it like what she's saying some some of the context of what she's saying in these songs is so intense that I think, yeah, it just would have been like a, almost like a slow burn. Like, I just can't imagine what would have, if we were allowed to hear this on the radio, like what would have stemmed from it had it been successful. 
just the thought of like what her record company would have allowed her to do if this had done well, you know? The promotion process for this would have been quite the era. That I know for sure. But I I think what's interesting about it is it is a really heavy uh, album materially in terms of the content. But again, she has that way about building out like the perfect pop song. She makes so many noises on this like work where there's a lot of purring, there's a lot of sighing and it, it somehow it, it softens the whole thing. And it really feels like she's playing with imagery and expectations. I agree with that. I don't remember what song it's for. I think it actually maybe do something. Um, but I did write down a quote where one of the producers or the writers said that this is Britney sort of playing with characters and her songs more. And that's obviously something that she went on to do much more later on in her career with songs like I think they used M Poppy as an example of her literally singing a song as like a, a, a character it's like a, a weird <laughs> Britney Gaga moment or something um but I agree with that there's a lot of just fun just weirdness I mean like we love Britney for her weirdness we love her music for how fucking weird it is and there's a lot of weirdney on this album this is Weird is the perfect word for it. Doesn't it feel like you could build a Tim Burton movie around this album? Yes, totally. It's so dark. It's dark-sodded. Oh my god. I mean, yeah, <laughs> Brady, I mean, Brittany maybe is a god warrior, but the character she's playing in in some of these songs is not a god warrior. <laughs> Brittany is the god warrior. I also just to your point earlier, Troy, about how this could have been such a cultural reset, she really was calling out a lot of men. Like, this is her I'm gonna call out men album. And again, it just, it really does feel like she was very far ahead on her uh, processing of what she was kind of going through at that point. I agree with that. There's a lot of uh, a lot of like men are pieces of shit lyrics in this album which is like whether it's like boyfriends or her dad or ma- like you know male managers or whoever um there's a lot of that and before we get into the actual like lyrics and the songs and stuff and I know that this is gonna we're gonna this is gonna be a long <laughs> this episode I'm assuming is gonna be pretty long and because it's a two-parter I want you guys to tell people first like before we even get started like where they can find you so you can find us at eatpraybritney.com where you'll find all of our episode show notes. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at eatpraybritney. And that's where you can listen to the first part of this episode. Um, again, we did a, a lot of what we just did <laughs> opening this up. It was a lot of that for the whole hour, except um, we went into just all of the craziness surrounding her walking into Kiss FM in the middle of a day on a Wednesday with no shoes and a, and a tiny dog in like a fat farm t-shirt and was like, hey, I'm ready to dismantle my career. <laughs> Are you guys ready to get into the songs and the lyrics? So ready. Okay. So the thing that we know for sure, we don't know a lot about this album, like for sure. A lot of it is hearsay. Like we said earlier, a lot of it is information gathered by fans. But what we do know, a lot of these songs were written around the same time as In The Zone. And we also know that In The Zone went on to kind of become this like, 
I guess you could call it like a watered down, like a more commercial version of what original doll was supposed to be. I guess you could say it was a compromise if you're being polite about it. And a lot of people will say that Blackout was sort of the final result of, of original doll. Would you guys say that you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely. You said it perfectly. I think when people try to figure out how this would fit in, that that's exactly it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that it it really feels like it usually feels to people that blackout was an evolution from in the zone. So this piece definitely fits perfectly with that within that thread. I guess the other really interesting thing is like so the track names from Original Doll were sprinkled throughout the Do Something video. And because Do Something is kind of like, I mean, there were other, you know, there's a music video for Someday I'll, uh, Someday I Will, whoa, Someday I Will Understand. But I think Do Something is kind of like visually the thing that represents this whole moment because we don't have anything else. <laughs> I love that because it involves like pink fur and a really good party time. A flying car. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of juicy couture. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the names for these, the track names, some of them are sprinkled throughout the music video for Do Something. And I actually wrote down a quote from the original doll wiki, which is where I got a lot of this information from, because like I said, it's so sort of hard to piece anything together. Um, but it says, strut is placed on the wing mirrors of the pink wagon. Hole in the wall is written above the entrance of the club that she walks into, which is uh, called Love Boat. And then the pink crop top that she wears in the music video. Oh, wait, the, the pink crop top actually has Love Boat on it. And then um, there's like a moment where they like swing the doors open and they say Mona Lisa on the doors. And it says, which is the only track confirmed to be on the album by Britney herself by not only displaying the name during the music video's opening sequence, but by also having the music video filmed under the same alias. So Britney got a directing credit for that music video and filmed it under her alias, Mona Lisa. What do you guys, what do you guys think about that? This is all brand new information for me. Um, I re vaguely remembered the names of the other songs written in the background of that music video. Um, but I had no idea that she directed it under the name Mona Lisa. And that sounds so Britney. I feel like she orders pizza under that name. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's her, that's definitely her hotel name for sure. Right? Yeah. Without we, question. We know her other name that she used to, use to check into hotels was Diana Prince. Like or, Britney, I love Britney's like iconic. Like she's not going for just like Sue Sue Williams. She's going for like Mona Lisa, Princess Diana. Shoot for the stars. Right. What do you guys think about? Let's talk before we get into because obviously Mona Lisa is the first song that we're gonna cover. So let's talk for a second about Britney's alter ego, Mona Lisa. Like, what are your thoughts about, because there's so much conspiracy theory and whatever surrounding it. So I guess I'm just interested to hear like what your take on it is. I mean, obviously I love it because it means that like Brittany and I almost had the same name, but also I feel like Mona Lisa as a cultural figure and like, what does the smile mean? And what does it all mean? Like, I feel like that would really, really appeal to Brittany. Like, 
Brittany one day is going to write a mysterious book. We know she loves mystery. And I think that is something about Mona Lisa that really captivates her. Yeah, I think I'd agree and just add that it's the speculation about the actual painting, the Mona Lisa, that makes it such a a focus for, I mean, it's very rare that you have such a famous artwork, right? It, there are certain things that people do know, but it's it's few and far between where you can say, yeah, this is universal. And I think that Brittany's always talked about feeling overanalyzed and misunderstood. And that all seems to align with, with what you could, characteristics you could attribute to Mona Lisa. I agree with that. I feel like there's like a secret low-key art history major that lives inside Brittany, to be honest with you. And I think it's why she loves Google image art because she loves just like, like, I don't know. She loves like classic fine art, I guess you could say. <laughs> like, I you know think, what I mean? like with Brittany, it's always her range that makes her appealing. And I think you're <laughs> absolutely right. And I think she can just as easily appreciate motel art and right. attribute the same sort of like vision or, or, or analyze it exactly how she would something that was centuries old and is some famous painting in a museum. Totally. I think that people underestimate how deeply she actually thinks about the art that she posts. And the Mona Lisa thing, I think, is the perfect example. Um, where, like you guys said, I, I think that she probably thought really deeply about, like, you know, everything that we know about Mona Lisa, the painting, and how it relates to her as an artist and all of that stuff. Like, I really do believe that a lot of thought went into that. And I think it's interesting. I've talked a lot on this podcast about um, when celebrity, when specifically, I mean, it mostly pertains to female celebrities. Of course, there are the male, um, like you have your like Garth Brooks moments or whatever, which we're not going to get into. But like, you know, the alter ego, the alter ego moment is a thing and it's like sort of um it's almost like a rite of passage in your career when you get to the point where it's like you know what I've I've killed it is this person for so long I'm ready to become Sasha Fierce or whatever and uh it kind of makes me sad that that whatever that could have again I mean I'm just gonna say this a million times while we're recording but it does make me sad that whatever that could have been didn't sort of come fully into fruition because now you know like Sasha Fierce is so much a part of Beyonce that like it rolls off the tongue. So like that just would have been interesting, I guess. Isn't, isn't Garth Brooks doing Chris Gaines again now? Are you fucking kidding me? I don't me? know. Maybe I just made that up in a fever dream. I don't know. I, but I, yeah, I would love to have seen Britney's Mona Lisa era, like even how she would have dressed and every, like everything about it and like what she it felt like that looked like. It would have been so trashy. Like, Maybe she, she was going for like Mona that, Lisa, like from my cousin Vinny. No, that's that's what I'm I'm thinking. I think it's just based on the music and the like the griminess of it, but still with that total pop drive. I I just think that it would have been completely tacky, and it would have been like a true art, and that juxtaposition with the Mona Lisa would it just is the cherry on top. <laughs> You are so fucking right. It would have been pure sort of like like trash camp. And I mean, as yeah. if Britney already doesn't contribute so much to like the Y2K aesthetic, that would have just been 
because even just in that do something music video alone like the juicy couture moments and all of that stuff like it's so heightened it's just heightened trashy early 2000s camp but like intentional I think it would have been an earlier version of what she ended up looking like for the pretty girls video which I happen to think she Jacqueline and I both happen to think she looks amazing in that video but yeah I feel like the juicy like all of the things like I really think the the photo the paparazzi photo of Britney posing with her hand over her eyes with the cigarette with the tank top milf and training with the jean skirt with the platform flip-flops like that could be a renaissance painting in and of itself <laughs> no you're totally right it is, I mean it at this point it is like it's the it's the google image version of a renaissance painting right like it's it's just it lives in everybody's minds in this really weird way like it represents such a time and like yeah I feel like that would have been Mona Lisa just Britney fully like bra panties fur a lot of like neon tacky faux furs a lot of leopard print yes a lot of of very like substantial gold earrings and jewelry yeah Long, long nails yes and hats a lot of like trucker caps like there's a moment in the by the way, I don't know why I keep mentioning the do something video because we're not there yet, but there is a moment in the video where she's wearing like a trucker cap and a faux fur and underwear, and it's just so Britney. <laughs> yeah, she definitely just went to the Wegmans or something like that. I mean, she was really serving looks on a daily basis. That was before girls would serve looks to the paparazzi every day. <laughs> she was really, uh, she was She's one of our our foremothers. <laughs> she is. Um, well, I wrote down. Um, I guess it, it's important to note that there there are two versions of this song. There's a version that I think every stan has like listened to in a dimly lit room, like rocking back and forth, like with a Ouija board and a magnifying glass and a bunch of clip outs on the wall, like just full Carrie Matheson. Um, and then there's the Uh, And it's also, the demo version is very raw, of course. It's very raw vocals. It's unpolished. It's just, it's a true delight. And then there's the final version, which is a little bit more traditional Britney. And I wrote down the lyrics for both versions. They're a little bit different. So in the original version, she says, ladies and gentlemen, I've got a story to tell about Mona Lisa and how she suddenly fell. See, everyone knew her. They knew her oh so well. Now I am taking over to release her from her spell. She's unforgettable. She was a legend though. It's kind of pitiful that she's gone. It's kind of incredible. She's so unpredictable. It's time to let her go because she's gone. She was taken under, drowning in her sea, running like an angel. She was crying and could not see. (laughs) I almost said the oh no part because I'm used to singing it. I was waiting. I held my breath. I was hoping you were going to do it. I can feel, I can almost feel the tension and see everyone's watching as she starts to fall. The most infamous part. Now don't have a breakdown. You will hit the freaking wall. Now, ladies, does that make you cry? Now, fellas, you have to say goodbye because Mona Lisa's got to fly. Everyone, may we have a moment of silence right here. God. And I wrote down on my notes, uh, Brittany loves a like a prayer moment. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah, without question. Calls Good to God. 
Right. And, and let me just say, one of the joys of preparing for this episode was reading the lyrics. And this song was 100% written by our girl. Nobody else wrote this. This is so Britney. It's also going back to what you both said before about like her putting on personas. I feel like this is so Britney, but also the style in which she sings this, like it's Britney at like her most theatrical and her phrasing of the now don't have a breakdown. You will hit the freaking wall like that. It chills like it's so her. It's just the voice that she's using in a song that obviously is not a sound that we really ever got to hear from her on anything that was ever released. Yeah, it's delivered with such intent. And I think that that's what resonates with all of these songs is especially the ones that do have like a little bit of a deeper meaning. There's such a an intention behind her voice where it's like she's a message. She has something to say and you can just feel it like it just hits different. And I think the thing that's impressive is how consistent and sustained that attitude is throughout the rest of the material. It doesn't let up at all. No, this album had its heel on our necks the entire, it would have, I mean, this this literally would have been, oh, I can't, I'm not going to keep saying that, but like, my God, you know what I mean? It's like, it's hard not to. Well, it could have been, I mean, can you imagine, because this, it seems like this was what Britney was envisioning. This would have been the debut single Yep. to set the tone for this, like, in, in what you said before too, Jacqueline, like the promo. Like when this would, I, I just, I can't even, I can't even imagine. And maybe had this come out, people would have been a little bit more, I won't say respectful, but a little more cautious to try her. Like this is really an album of her like standing up for herself and she didn't really get to do that. I think truthfully at the time, just given the sort of environment, I think that it would have actually ignited it What would have been different, though, is that a large part of the lead up to 2007 was really her kind of not being known for her career at all. And so if you did insert this album in there, I think that it would have just been like gasoline on a flame. Yeah, you're probably right. It would have just set because nobody would have listened to anything she said, for one thing. Nobody would have listened to any of the messaging or anything in this album or taking it at like any sort of deeper, anything other than face value. Uh, yeah, it probably would have just ignited an even bigger, actually maybe it would have just made it worse faster. <laughs> That's an excellent point. I mean, I do wonder, it just didn't seem like she really wanted to work. I mean, not, and I, I'm not saying that in a negative, she shouldn't have been working as hard as she was before that anyway. So I do wonder if this would have been more of a situation where Jive wouldn't want this to come out just because they knew she wasn't going to tour it or just because they knew she wasn't going to hustle it aside from surprising them by showing up to radio stations. I could totally see that. Like it, at that point, it was so sort of, un, she was so unpredictable at this, no pun intended, at this particular moment that they were like, we don't even know what this will look like and we can't have her going out there and like ruining because, you know, at this point, like, even though things were a little bit shaky, like, the Britney brand was still very much intact. It was just a little, you know, the, the wheels were, like, sort of wobbling a little bit, but it wasn't fully off the track yet. You know what I mean? It, it, it was salvageable, and it was, like, sort of all we had ever known. We were only, like, 
maybe a year into things being a little bit different than they were before. So I'm sure they were like, she's going to ruin the Britney brand. She's going to ruin the image. I think that this, yeah, I think Britney would have been so mad that the label wasn't respecting her vision for not just what she wanted this to be in terms of, you know, what was on the album or whatever, but truly like her image for this. Um, and I think because that wouldn't have fit the narr- the media narrative at the time too, I, I could see, like you both said, either it being kind of dismissed by the media or scrutinized even more heavily. And I think also factoring in like the KFED relationship, I just feel like this, she would have felt so angry that she wasn't given her due and that she was even further misunderstood when she really tried to have people hear her because I think a lot of the other stuff obviously she's the one performing it she has a creative vision throughout her career but this she felt so much ownership over it I feel like she would have seen this as like an outright rejection of like her as as like an artist well speaking of that I want to read the release version and then I want to know what version both of you prefer um so this is the version that we got on the chaotic I think it was the chaotic DVD um so I only wrote down the parts of it that were different where she says she's the original she's unforgettable she wants you to know she's been cloned it's kind of incredible she's so unpredictable she wants you to know she's been cloned she was taken under, drowning in her sea, running like an angel. She was crying but could not see. Now everyone's watching as she starts to fall. They want her to break down and be a legend of her fall. Or I think that that was wrong in the thing that I... Because doesn't she say legend of the fall? I think she does say that. But I'm not... I can't be quoted on that right now. <laughs> in, in, in either case, I think it's the same message. Right. <laughs> right. Um... Yeah. I, wh- which version of this do you guys prefer? Do you like the more sort of like polished version of it where she says cloned or do you like the raw vote? Like, no vote? way. <laughs> the, the original version for me all the way. I do think it's funny that that line about she's been cloned has, I think in very, very off outside the parameter of free Britney uh, enthusiast you have people that think she's actually been cloned. Right. Like, I think they asked Ethan Alexander about that in some podcast once. And he was yeah. like, no, I think I would know if she wasn't, if she was a clone, but I have considered it. That's the, <laughs> Jason, that's the interesting thing about Britney is that she, she is, like, whenever I make the comparison between she and Marilyn Monroe, it goes so much deeper than, like, being a Hollywood blonde. It's like, she goes as deep conspiracy theorists can go. Like whatever level you are at conspiracy theorists, Britney fits into it somewhere. And that is so crazy. That's so true. (laughs) I am proud to announce that this week's episode is sponsored by Helix, aka the company responsible for me waking up smiling every day before I remember how much I hate my life and how much I despise working or whatever. What I will tell you is that my days off consist of me laying in my bed and rolling around to all these different positions because I'm so excited about the comfort. Do you know what I mean by that? Very childlike, very whimsical. 
He looks as a sleep quiz that takes literally two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress made just for you. This is also not Helix's first rodeo. You have to understand that Helix is very aware of the fact that it makes no sense for you to go out and spend money on a mattress built for a stranger. With Helix, you can guarantee you're getting a mattress that was made just for you, that is perfect for your body and does all the things you want it to do. Helix also understands that every person is unique, so they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have mattresses that are great for cooling you down if you sleep hot like I do, and they have Helix Plus mattresses for the plus size folks. I took the Helix quiz and got matched with the Helix Plus, which is perfect for me because I wanted something that was really firm, but not too firm. Like, I don't want to sleep on a gym floor, but I also don't want to sleep on a marshmallow. Do you know what I mean by that? So if you're in the market for a mattress, go ahead and take the quiz, order the mattress you're matched to, and it comes right to your door, shipped for free, and you'll never need to go to a mattress store ever again. Helix is awesome, but honey, you don't have to take my word for it. It was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Go to helixsleep.com slash dunzo, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life, honey, I promise you. I don't know why I keep saying honey, but just go with it. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights, risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't like it, but I can guarantee you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dunzo. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. The next song, so by the way, I didn't write these in order. There's no like actual order to the tracks. Obviously, it's not a completed album. So anything that um, you read about it, it's just, it's fans thinking that they know what the order would be and stuff. So I just wrote these as I came across them. The next song is called Money, Love, Happiness. Britney actually did record this track. So there is a version of it with her voice on YouTube. And this song gives me major 80s, like Michael Jackson, bad era. It's very 80s. And it's basically Britney saying, like, not only do I want all of it, I want the man, I want like real happiness, and I want the money. I've also discovered that having the money doesn't make you happy. This song has such attitude, like the chanting, almost chanting of the word happiness. It, it feels very loaded. And, and to your point, Troy, yeah, like the attitude behind this song of kind of the, it's the glitz and the glam and it's all of the trappings, but then also like she, yeah, she wants all of that stuff, but she does actually want happiness as she repeats the word like over and over and over. That's so funny that you say that because I actually always, I really like this song. I think it's such an earworm and I agree completely on the Michael Jackson comparison but I, I always listen to this as being sarcastic. Like, I, and I can't necessarily explain why, but I thought that it was sort of, I don't know, a little bit more tongue in cheek. 
I understand what you mean by that. And I kind of went back and forth when I was like writing my notes about it, where I'm like, is this her saying that she wants all the things and that she deserves it? Or is it her saying like, I've experienced all of it and it's all fake bullshit. Like it does feel a little bit Britney being like coy, I guess you could say. Yeah, it, it just, it sounds like taunting. Like all, that's all you need. All it takes is money, love and happiness. Like that's it. Okay, 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 okay. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. Like, like that's 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 all it is. Like it's just money, love, and happiness. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. And it's just like kind of like it's almost like a like a backhanded like throwing it in somebody's face a little bit, like being like, "Well, I thought that's all you need, right? So I should just be happy. Money, love, and happiness." <laughs> right. I like the word taunting, Jacqueline, that you used. I feel like this could be a persona song, maybe, where she's inhabiting a character. Because I think it could be that, you know, not be needing not needing to feel humble. And that's, I guess, the part to me where it's like the I want it all thing, where, like, she doesn't have to downplay the things that she has. But then, yeah, in a way, especially because there's so much repetition, that could be seen as kind of like not really flaunting it in your face more like a taunting like you don't even know what you're talking about I know because I actually have this stuff I would love for everybody listening to this to follow along on YouTube because you I mean all of these tracks are available to listen to on YouTube and I would love to know people's interpretations of these songs because they're all really interesting um I'll read the lyrics to this one and then you guys will we'll think actually I'm going to read this quote first that I got from um, Mew Muse. There was a lot of really good original doll quotes on Mew Muse's website. He said, as Bell explained, and Bell is the person who helped produce the song, um, the song only exists in demo form, which is why the vocals are so rough. Still, it sheds light on another moment, a moment of Britney in full on rebellion stage, discussing life, love, and her very obvious disenchantment with fame. You know what they say about money? It can't buy happiness. She ad-libs at one point. See, I agree with you. It's like, it's her being like, hey, by the way, I'm fucking miserable. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, just so you all know, I hate my life. And you all <laughs> think that I'm perfect because I was marketed to be an American girl doll and I'm lemmis. <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel about it. I'll go ahead and read the uh, read the lyrics now. She said... I know you want to get in my head. I'd rather get in yours instead. Boy, you knock me off my feet. This girl brings the heat. Don't forget to paint the town. I know you want to hear my sound. Don't try to be tough. Don't take this out of context. But when it comes to being my best, there ain't no contest. You should know my name synonymous with all the hottest hits. I keep them breathless. It's endless, boy, relentless. People pay me compliments. You're so wonderful, boosting up my confidence. All it takes is common sense. All it takes is money, love, and happiness. You know what they say about money, that it can't buy happiness. I just need to know, is this real or just a dream? Hold myself in high esteem. Picky about the little things. Come full circle like a band of wedding rings. I love that part. Continuing living in the in the life of Lux. Life sometimes, I know it sucks. It's really shitty. Not asking much. All I got to say, I want to be in love. I want to run away to a place, a fairyland of dreams. This is where I'll find everything I need to have peace of mind. It's like... Just her constantly trying to communicate that she's miserable. It's so sad. Fairy land of dreams. We know how Brittany feels about fairies. Totally. So. Yeah, I just think that this is one of those songs that when people hear it, they can't help but rock along to it. But I, it, again, it's 
crazy hearing you read the lyrics because it does put, it grounds the whole work and the whole set of material in such a different way when you, when you read it out loud like that. Yeah, when you hear it as one of her poems, <clears throat> it definitely just sort of hits different. Like they all sound like they could have been, and I know that these are very heavily tied to the letters of truth and we'll get to that because I have it in my notes. Um, but these sound like Britney's poems, you know? They totally do. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there's other lyrics, other songs that are actually, I think, ripped from the headlines of the letters of truth. But I feel like if, I hope these journals are in Lynn's attic with all of those VHS tapes that when she invites us over to Serenity, we're going to ask her to please play for us. <laughs> but I hope all of these notebooks are up there somewhere because I just feel like there must be so many poems on those pages that are waiting to be songs. Yes. Either that or Felicia has them on her little like Ikea bookshelf. Under God, Britney's... I hope so. In her Britney room. God, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's in like a, an old drawer, like at a shoebox or something, like a, an LA gear shoebox. This next song, Take Off, is lyrically my one of my favorites. I have another quote here from Mew Muse about this song. I think that this is like, this is so iconic. It says, on Take Off, Brit, uh, Spears sang about tolerance, love, and peace. Belle, the producer, called it her version of Michael Jackson's Black or White. It was about being tolerant about gay people, discrimination, basically loving yourself and being connected, Belle said. I think it was ahead of Lady Gaga. I think people would have looked at her and thought she had something to say. It was ahead of its time. She talked about uh, war and how war is wrong. In 2013, Bill tweeted some lyrics from the song. They say, get ready for the revolution. I think we ought to find some sort of solution. This is Britney's born this way. Like we were, we were robbed of Britney's born this way, which came out years before Gaga. Oh my goodness. And this song is so good, not just lyrically, but it has a, a swing to it. It's like a throwback. It feels like a classic instantly from just the sound. It, it sounds like an aesthetic. I agree. I love this song so much. I feel like, so we haven't really talked about this yet. Obviously we have only gone through a few songs, but this to me clearly would have been a single. And I feel like this would have been not just the breakout smash of, of this album, but I think this would have become one of Britney's defining songs. I think so too. I think that this would have been a transition song into a, a different era of her life. I really do believe that people would have seen her in such a more serious light. I mean, if you think about what she had been singing about up to this point, you know, mostly like love and sex and being sexy and boys and whatever and like this is just so this is so field for Britney and I mean I mean during the time even like the time that this would have come out to have you know a gay anthem from somebody like her who has never really been allowed to publicly you know show the love that she has for her gay audience because it was just like such a different time it just would have been so iconic this to me is one of those situations where like you just said Troy Brittany was so unable to express her own opinions because of her team and especially at the time like early to mid 2000s it would not have like now everyone wants to get in on any sort of 
even if they don't really mean anything they're saying, they want to look like they're an activist. They want to look like they're politically aware because that's good marketing. But in the early 2000s, this would have been so taboo. And I always think back to, remember when Michael Moore included that clip of Britney in Fahrenheit 9-11, talking about how like you shouldn't question the president and like everyone's like, oh, Britney, like what was she supposed to, not that I agree with that at all. I mean, obviously, you know, just because we had a really horrible president two minutes ago, everyone should not forget that George W. Bush is a war criminal. But anyway, moving on, the fact that that was put on Britney as if like she ever would have been allowed to have any sort of thought outside of whatever was the status quo at the time, her label would have lost their minds. And even things as seemingly universal and basic as human rights, gay rights, like that would have been seen as so like a career killer, really, like her her team would have lost their minds if she was saying any of this publicly. Yeah, I I definitely completely agree. It's um, it really. Now I feel like I'm going to keep harping on this, Troy, but we really were deprived. And I am someone that usually takes the school of thought that goes more along the lines of unreleased tracks are unreleased for a reason. But with this set of songs, it's really really hard to argue with because I could 100% hear this on the radio. I think I said to in the first part that we recorded together that, you know, Britney is whether people whether people want to put her in that category or not, Britney is a legacy artist. She's like Raya, a Whitney, a Prince, a Madonna, a Michael. Like she's a legacy artist. And the way that I look at Britney's career is like if 10 years into Madonna's career, she's at the peak of her success, she's about to release Ray of Light you know what I mean, killing it, and there's only, there's nowhere to go but up for her. She just becomes horribly mismanaged, horribly. So we don't get Ray of Light, we don't get, you know, music or American Life or any of the, the any of those albums, and her, and then that's it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that is literally what happened to her, and when you think about it that way, it's just so, it's literally, it's a gut-wrenching. Yeah, and it's, it's the thing with Britney that's so interesting is I don't necessarily feel like we certainly attribute looks to each of her eras, but she didn't do like the, the chameleon sort of thing that other artists did. Like if you think of someone like Madonna who, who changed physically to match whatever she was releasing and I don't necessarily think that that happened with Britney, which I always found super fascinating because I think you're right about her being a legacy artist. But like we we sort of go with like the music video looks to represent her her era or maybe her VMA performances, right? Because they're so iconic. But she didn't like think of Christina Aguilera was stripped, right? It was it was a full transformation, and she she never really did that she kind of was able to like slink in and out of different looks that kind of were along like the same, I don't know, the same track and still somehow create these very definitive pop periods. I 1000% agree with that. I always say that it's interesting that she just sort of naturally, look wise, she just sort of naturally transitioned and and progressed. Like you can look at it, and say like oh god that's such like a Britney 2003 outfit like if I see like if I see Britney performing in something and there's like 
a strap attached to her arm that's like got dangling dangling fabrics on it or something I'm like oh like that's very you know 2002 Britney you know what I mean like she was sort of in her own it's almost like the Britney aesthetic and the Britney brand just that transitioned more so than like her becoming a geisha (laughs) it was just like her can like being herself but evolving naturally and that is really interesting for a pop star because they all fall into the Madonna trap well, I think not just in terms of even her appearance, although I think that's totally right that like you don't have, Britney didn't have to drastically change her look for you to kind of go with her on these journeys on these albums as she matured and as she developed different sounds. But I think that this song would have been a chance to see her evolution as a person and to see her as a mature person who cared about the world around her. We know that Britney is such a caring person and is a deep thinker and all of those things. And I think that was really on display here. And I also feel like, again, we're all, we can't stop saying this, but it's so sad to think about what a missed opportunity this song not existing in a real way is because I think this would have made such a difference to people if they could have heard this song. And it's really sad to think, you know, that that didn't happen and it, that it would be because Born This Way is a lot for, like farther after this song. It's not like that came out like the next year. So it's really sad when you're trying to think of those songs that would be in the same vein of this that have happened recently. It, it would have been a while before a song like that came out. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read the lyrics so that we can put people out of their misery for the people who aren't like, who haven't pulled them up yet. They're like, what the hell are the lyrics? Oh, we're not just talking about takeoff for the rest of this episode. This is my mistake. Sorry. This isn't a takeoff podcast. Um, So she said, God damn, these lyrics are so good. She said, they say, get ready for the revolution. I think it's time we find some sort of solution. Somebody's caught in the endless pollution. They need to wake up, stop living illusions. I know you need to hear this. Why won't somebody feel this? This is my wish that we all feel connected. This is my wish that nobody is neglected. Be like a rocket baby, be like a rocket baby, take off. The chorus is so good. Just fly away to find your space. You know what they say about mixing the races. And in the end, we got the same faces. My mama told me, gotta love yourself first. If you disagree, get off this damn earth. I wanna feel connected, don't want to feel neglected. This is my wish that we all find our places. Baby, you'll see everything. Hear this and you'll wanna sing. It's like hard for me to like speak the lyrics as I want to sing them. <laughs> it, like, I, like I'm trying to like talk. I'm them. singing them in my head as you're reading them. <laughs> the chorus was really hard. Anywhere you wanna, <laughs> everything you wanna, all you will have to do is be. <laughs> Think and you can. Everything's not what it's. I rarely listen to something while also reading the lyrics, and I have a problem with like really misunderstanding lyrics and when I was, so I was listening to these songs and then I was listening to them with the lyrics and the chorus at some point sounds like she's saying the name Barack. And I feel like (laughs) she was predicting his presidency. (laughs) That's all. We can move on. I just had to share that. Nostradamus knee. Like her phrasing, it really sounds like she's saying Barack. She wrote a fucking song about mixing races about gay people about like not I mean this literally is born this way it's crazy do you think Lady Gaga even knows this song exists yes I'm gonna go with yes she's a fan yeah yeah 
Totally, totally. I'm surprised she doesn't have a writing credit on Original Doll, honestly. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, do you guys have any 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 closing thoughts about this song? Because it's like one of the most iconic. It's ones. perfect. It it should have been. I truly think that this would have been up there with the biggest song she had, and I think this would have been such a cultural moment, and people would still be playing this song. Like this would be, I think, a symbol of its time. And people would talk about this like in a historic fashion. Like I'm not even being facetious. I agree with you. Totally. I think that this would be like um, like a Super Bowl song or something. You know what I mean? Like this would be one of those songs that they play at like baseball games before the Olympics. One moment in time by Whitney. This is Britney's one moment in time. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think that there's that much more to add. It's just it's if people have not heard this song, if you're not a Britney stan please go listen to this song. Hopefully you're like doing some sort of, you have something worked out where you're like pausing and like playing the song on YouTube and then coming back to it or something. Cause you've got to hear all the things. Um, this next one though, the thing about Original Doll is that there are, there's a ton of songs that are associated with this album and not all of them have like a recorded version. There are some of them that we know are like, you know, in the RCA books or whatever. So we know that they were like songs that were going to be recorded or like they, whatever, like they've been laid down by somebody, but not necessarily Britney. Diary Of is the next song. And this one doesn't have like a Britney vocal. Um, But I thought it was interesting because first of all, it's produced by Bloodshy and Avant, which is like I mean, I, I don't know if anybody's produced more Britney songs than Bloodshy and Avant. And they ended up using this instrumental for another song that's in like a video game or something. And I listened to like the video game version of it. And I was like, oh, this is so weird. Like, it's so weird when you like find out that some random song was supposed to be somebody else's and it went to like a Pringles commercial or something, you know? <laughs> this is one that I kind of vaguely remembered rumors about, but I'm so glad that you put the lyrics together because reading them and just knowing that it was Bloodshine and Avant is just, you just, I can almost hear it. (laughs) I hear this as slam poetry. I don't even hear this with music attached. I literally hear this as slam poetry. <laughs> Anytime anybody even uses the term slam poetry, I'm guaranteed to laugh. Like that's a great Well, because then I'm also picturing like she's all that. And then just like I'll like also because there's like noises like written out. Like I'm literally <laughs> right? picturing she's all that. Oh. Like I can't. Oh yeah. And I should mention that this song is awesome because you have to be a millennial to even understand its cultural reference. It is a song that plays off of MTV's diary. So like I mean, right, we've just alienated half the audience, but, like, in the best way, because you have to be a certain <laughs> age to understand. We actually will soon be doing an episode on Britney's MTV Diary, and oh. for anyone who doesn't know what that is, um, if apparently you have some Gen Z listeners, Troy, they <laughs> have to watch it, because truly, like you said, this is all a play on that. You think you know, but you have no idea. Like, that's almost the lyrics of, of this song. Right. And like the diary of it all is just so specific because at that point, during like the peak of diary, Britney was sort of the, you know, the, the, the official queen of MTV. 
you know, I think she was crowned by TRL as either the queen or the princess of, of, uh, of MTV, of TRL. Like, she was so sort of connected to that. And like, I don't know, it, it just... It, it just hits different because it's diary. You know what I mean? I don't know. Do you get what I mean? Oh, we get what you mean. <laughs> Do you, does anyone else get Miley vibes from the lyrics here? Because like bangers? I felt like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. This, this, it just has that vibe to it. I mean, without Blackout, he never would have gotten bangers. But... <laughs> This sort of feels like something that I could kind of hear um, from that era for Miley. I can, yeah, I can literally hear this also, not just as slam poetry, but as the song, which of course, like Brittany knows all about bangers. So, you know. (laughs) Exactly. I'm going to read this one. It's very, the lyrics of this one are short because it's a lot of repetition. Um, She says, what's splitting out of your mouth is blah, 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 blah. I keep on listening to you. Yap, 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 yap. <laughs> it's funny to read. Anything you say is wah, 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 wah. I'm laughing to myself like ha, 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 ha. I'm not containing any entertaining information. I'm refraining by continuing this conversation. You don't know. You have no idea. It's the diary of Britney Spears. Like, I can't even say it without smiling. It's so good. <laughs> Every day is pretty much the same thing. I'm either whack or I'm amazing. You can category and try and frame me. It's my picture, no matter how you paint me. So good. Oh my God. This this is one of my favorites. Like, I wish that this was, I wish that there was a, a Britney, um, I hate that there's no Britney version of this, uh, even just like a demo, you know? I think there's no piece of me without this song. Oh, totally. Like, there this you know. is the warm up to piece of me. It definitely feels that way. I, I just love that verse of I'm not containing any any entertaining information. I'm refraining by continuing this conversation. That that I'm refraining by continuing this conversation is how I feel on a daily basis. <laughs> right? I was like, like, oh, that's the phrase I should be using for work. Yeah, like print that on a business card. Uh, this This feels like me, especially during Aries season. Yes. <laughs> Jacqueline's an Aries, if you didn't know, Troy. So she's really having her moment right now. Me too. Oh my God, you're an Aries too. Oh boy. Wow. Okay. I'm outnumbered. <laughs> yeah. it, this is like the, the month or month and a half period where we, we just choose violence. <laughs> and, yeah. and this song really speaks to me. We ride at midnight. Bring your torches, girls. <laughs> I also, I would love with those two specific lines, this is where I am sad we don't have a Britney version because her phrasing, I can only imagine the attitude that would have been dripping from those lines, the enunciation, like, oh, it probably would have sounded so amazing. So good. And can you imagine hearing her saying, you don't know, you have no idea, it's a diary of Britney Spears, like that would have been. In her nasal, like in her nasal register, like I just got chills. Goosebumps. I, I, that, that would have been quoted just like as much as it's Britney bitch, I feel. Exactly what I was going to say. It's like you you can't get to it's Britney bitch without that. Goodness. I want to fight somebody right now. <laughs> See, the Me aggression too. is all coming out thanks to Britney and the team of people that stopped this glory from being released. I'm getting my Molt- Moltov cocktails ready right now as we speak. I'm ready to fucking ride to jive. You guys need to listen to Takeoff like 13 times to calm down. (laughs) Actually, Uh, I was thinking the next song would kind of bring us back down. 
<laughs> well, we know that our listeners get really worked up about young JL. So this would not calm them down, but maybe it's going to calm you down. Yes. So a song that a lot of people do actually know, Little Me, um, that the track was definitely a Britney vocal. I'm sorry. And, uh, Just the title is funny. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I I mean, this song is wild because it just puts me in, I think it's safe to assume that you guys spent many, many hours back in the day on the Britney website, just refreshing that homepage, hoping for something. Yeah. Yeah. And this song definitely reminds me, you know, just, you know, it was released on her website in 2006. It was obviously written for Jamie Lynn and um, it just reminds me of going to the website every other day and like not knowing what you would it would be like an unreleased song or you know Britney would put up some crazy poem at the, on the homepage saying like I hate my life or and then it would be gone you know the next day or that later that evening and that's just kind of what this puts me in the mind of I guess. Can I say that one thing I think is interesting about this song is I do agree I I think that it was said that it was written for Jamie Lynn I get that but every time I see this song I do think that it's just about Brittany herself as a little kid. That's definitely plausible for sure. Cause I mean, only the first two lines are really pertaining maybe to Jamie Lynn. Like the rest of it is very much like Brittany reflecting on her situation. I agree with that. I think, see, I, I think that it's a little bit of both. Like I feel like it's a song about, basically what both of you just said, that it's about Jamie Lynn in quotes, but it's more so about her sort of reflecting on herself through Jamie, like what my life has become since I was your age, like what happened to me. Yeah. And you know, that, that one lyric about looking at her, the life that she's bought always just really dug at me. I don't want to steal your thunder, Troy. I I think that the lyrics to this are so there's no room for misinterpretation in my mind. Yeah, this is a real, this song is very sad. Okay. I'll go ahead and read the lyrics. It says just yesterday you were looking up to me and you asked, and you would ask me what I thought, but now I'm sitting here all alone in my tears, looking at the life that I bought. Where did I go? My eyes, they will show little me, please forgive me. I couldn't see you hurting inside. I think that one of the things about this song that, and the, the lyrically, it's obviously very meaningful for Britney, and I certainly don't want to diminish that because it does punch me in the gut to hear it. But it's also sung in like that sort of, sort of falsetto <laughs> that makes it like whimsical. Yeah, I mean, this song is pretty. Like, if you weren't listening to the lyrics at all, like, it sounds pretty. Which again, I think going back to Britney's multi-layered artistry, I think maybe that was her intent was that she wanted, but it, it, if you weren't paying attention, that it could be, as you say, Jacqueline, whimsical, which we know Britney loves some whimsy. I sort of think of it as her, she's singing about little me and she's using her little voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Britney has this like ability to like make songs sound, no go with me. To make songs literally sound like a fairy. And I'm not even saying like in a fairy <laughs> voice, like the song literally just sounds like 
fairy, whatever that means. Yeah, like Fern Gully soundtrack. Yeah. In a forest, flat like little lightning bugs and things like that. Yes. Big fairy garden vibes. I completely agree. I can think of like certain songs like remember that's where you take me. <laughs> right? That sounds like a fairy. Yes. Ex- that's ex- the exact you literally couldn't have picked a better song. Like that is <laughs> that's the vibe. Like that's where you take me is very much like fairy Britney. Well, and if this had ever had a music video, I totally picture this looking like that Mark Seliger photo shoot for Rolling Stone where she's like in the Everglades or something. Yeah. With the, that's like my favorite shoot of all time, but I think that's totally what I picture the vibe, but, but like with a lot of glowing, like fern gully looking like creatures, maybe CGI'd in afterwards. That is also my all time favorite Britney photo shoot. And I agree with you. It would have, yeah, she would have been like on a swing and, you know, like it just very like, like mossy and lots of lace. Yeah. This and a choker for sure. <laughs> oh my God. Hello, of course. But it'd be glowing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> the choker would be glowing like Ursula on land. Like Ursula. I'm thinking more like one of those collars you put on a dog so they don't get lost when you walk them at night. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's, they feel like they're similar vibes. I don't know. So tell me more about your uh, listeners' feelings about baby Jamie Lynn. Oh, the, they really are not fans, and we find her to be very humorous, and mm-hmm. they do not agree. <laughs> yeah, we've been accused of being, like, pro-conservatorship just because we don't hate Jamie Lynn, and actually do find her, like Lisa said, very amusing. I, I don't like, know if Like, her Instagram it's... is hilarious, if you ever, like, intentionally hilarious. Oh, yeah, yeah. Jamie's funny. I, I've always thought so, but we get a lot of pushback because a lot of people feel like she's just a leech and has been broke. But I have always thought that she has had millions. I mean, I don't, honestly, I don't know either way, but I have always sort of just thought like, Britney is the family income. I'm not saying that it's right, but it's like, Jamie is the little sister of a multi-millionaire pop star you know what I mean like she it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. Like, throughout her childhood yeah she like leached the fuck off of her older sister <laughs> when she was when she was 10 you know what I, you know what I mean it's like every everything she has is clearly because of her sister there's absolutely no denying that but I'm like there have to be like some checks coming in from Nickelodeon like my nephews who are pretty young used to watch Zoe 101 and this is like a decade plus after it went off the air so I'm like she's got to be getting paid well and she hustles too I mean she's always doing spawn con on, on Instagram like she has like a new business manager that specializes in social media brand partnerships so I can't imagine she's not getting stuff from that too, which of course the fan the Britney fans would argue the only reason she has However, she has like how many million? One million, two million followers. The reason she has those followers is just because of Britney. But like, I don't know. I think she's funny. She had that post recently about her not wearing shoes at the gas station. That post for her anniversary about like, I don't know that people are surprised they're still married. Like, she's funny. She speaking of uh, 
of Diary. Like one of my favorite Jamie Lynn memories is from Diary when they're like eating, um, they're like eating at uh, Lynn's house and like Justin is there and Jamie Lynn goes, <laughs> she's like, mommy, can I have some more? And Brittany, Brittany's like, since when do you call mama mommy? And she goes, I call her that when I want something. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's one of my favorite Jamie Lynn moments. And I think a little bit later in that diary episode is when Brittany gives her dad that gold bracelet. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> and he shows it to Jamie Lynn and she takes a look at it and goes, is that real? Is that real? Guys, she's an Aries, so I'm not surprised that you're responding to her in that in this yeah. way. What was also was it Rosie or Oprah when Jamie Lynn was like on like the little golf cart or something? She's like, "Move over, Brittany, I'm coming through." Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it was, so and it was brilliant. Like so, it's I'm so, so amazing. <laughs> yeah, Jamie Lynn deserved this song. I take it back. It's all about Jamie Lynn. <laughs> Imagine how many like moments like that Jamie had to film for like different things. Watch out, Brittany. It's me, Jamie, coming through. Look out, Brittany. I'm on your heels. Like just <laughs> that's a great impersonation, Troy. <laughs> yes, I, I I do a good um southern child. It's my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, amazing. Um this next song does not have a recorded track but i thought it was important because it is the title track of the album this is very i mean this song i don't know if you guys are gaga fans but uh there's a song on chromatica called plastic doll and it's like almost identical to this like i swear to you i feel like lady gaga like saw this and like wrote it down on a post-it or something i don't know it's very similar but it's um the lyrics are just very like you know they go along with the, the title of the album really well. I love I love this. I love all of this. Should we start with the lyrics and work backward with, for this one since we don't really have like audio to react to? Yeah, okay, so I'll read the lyrics. She said, I go enjoy my day, done with being on display. In my truth, I'm what I am. Don't try and get me hypnotized. Time's changing and so am I. With this ring, I choose my man. <laughs> the next time you see my face, there'll be no plastic here to trace. But this is where I take my space. Good luck, girl. I hope you see your fate. What's up, y'all? I ain't feeling so small. Make your world say stop, original doll. She's standing so tall, no more hitting the wall. Go and live for yourself, original doll. How is self-respect so wrong? This is my chance to belong. When I laugh, I'm thinking back. I'm lucky and I'm glad I can dance now in the sand. When I cry, I'm real like that. <laughs> I can already, I can hear Brittany <laughs> saying I'm real like that. Like I just heard it. I can hear so many parts of this in Brittany. <laughs> she wrote this. Again, it's one of those things where when you are as familiar as we are with Brittany's writing, you know for a fact that she wrote this word for word. <laughs> I, this is one I never knew what to make too much of, again, just because we kind of lack a sound. But when you brought up Plastic Doll, that kind of brings the song a little bit more into focus for me. And I, I, can, I get that. I get that comparison. 
I also think um, you you made a note of this, Troy, in, in the Google Doc, but I think you're totally right that this is definitely one of the ones that feels ripped from the letters of truth. And a lot of the themes here are the things that she kept writing about in her letters, like especially in like 2004, beginning of 2005. Yeah, she talks in the letters of truth about, you know, the overexposed blondes and how it's their turn to, you know, have their moment on the tabloids, you know. Um, I think she says, good luck, girls, in all, all caps, exclamation points. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's very like, you know, and this was, it, it perfectly fits into the time period of Britney thinking, unfortunately, thinking that she was going to like step out of the spotlight and have a moment to sort of regroup, you know? Like, it's very, this album sort of feels almost like, I wouldn't say like a middle finger, but it's like a peace sign. It's like, it's a deuces. I'll see you guys in a little bit. Like, I'm taking a moment. I'm not like, you know what I mean? I'm not gonna be Britney Spears for a little while. I'm gonna be myself. And this album is her basically saying that. Yeah, absolutely. And just, the imagery of original doll I think is just really strong and it's it's a good pairing with something like Mona Lisa right because it's like Mona Lisa is like this amazing work of art that people speculate on and original doll sounds more like a Hasbro Barbie that people don't necessarily give a second thought to so I kind of like the idea of that juxtaposition this one, I feel like there could have been a video that was Valley of the Dolls themed. And I feel like Britney's Pepsi commercial with all the eras really like wet my appetite for wanting to see Britney in every trend and in, in cultural moment that happened in the 20th century. And I, I just picture Britney in, in like a Sharon Tate, like Valley of the Dolls situation for this video. Now my mind, that will never, just so you know, like that created a space in my mind that will imprint forever. You just imprinted. <laughs> I had to share it brain. because that's what, I mean, literally, obviously I'm so creative. Like it's saying the word doll. Where did I get that from? I don't know, but <laughs> I, I just feel like that's what I'm picturing. Cause also like, I think to your point, like, it's so sad that Brittany, this feels like this was, you know, Brittany wanting to say like, I'm going to do things on my own terms. Like you aren't going to hear from me for a minute. Um, and, and when I come back, like, it's going to be my career the way I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there could have been such opportunity with a kind of Valley of the Dolls thing to make this, you know, that it's the clone and, and that she's like stepping out of that. Yeah. And like, when you guys see me again, it may not be, you know, me in a like bowling pin formation with dancers and doing like, it's going to be, like you said, a version of my career that you're not used to. And that's okay, you know, like, this is, it's like her spoon feeding the idea to the public that, like, there are other sides to her. Yeah, and she'd been doing it for so long up until this point, right? And she, she'd really been carrying the industry on her back for a long time. So this does feel like, a, okay, like, I'm, I'm ready to step away or do something different. And all of the, uh, I guess, the unoriginal dolls that followed me. <laughs> can pick up the slot. Yes. All of the, the overexposed blondes. Um, the next song is called Ouch. And 
this one isn't super profound. This is more just sort of a classic, like sexy, fun. Um, I don't know if I would say it's fun, but it's just sort of like a sexy song that has like sexy lyrics. And I didn't write the lyrics down because they weren't like, there wasn't anything super crazy happening with this, but the production is incredible. And her voice in this song is ridiculous. Like this is one of those unreleased tracks that I think definitely you know, it's it's had like a moment on the internet. Like if you're a stan, you've heard it. Um, I've seen it be included in like some BuzzFeed lists of like unreleased Britney songs that are great. She just sounds, she sounds incredible in this song. She sounds like Catwoman. Yes. She's like, she's, she's doing this really interesting thing with her vocals that it, I was trying to think of someone to compare it to and immediately my mind kind of goes to Janet, but I don't even necessarily think that that's the right person. It just has this like this weird feline feel to it. This to me clearly would have been a single and I feel like this could be released today and be a hit like it's so moody and yeah her voice just everything about this and what she's bringing to it because I also don't think anyone else could I mean I I never can picture anyone else doing Britney's songs but this song in particular like what she's doing here I don't think anyone else would be able to do that yeah actually um I found a MTV news quote from 2012 where they they actually wrote this really interesting article about how you know what so many people have said that Britney's best songs seem to be the ones that don't get released and ironically they're always the ones that she seems to have the most creative involvement with um but they said ouch is a fantastic mid-tempo jam about heartbreak with a clean beat and a strong vocal performance from Spears whose vibrato is, is on point throughout the two minute snippet that appeared on the web we love Britney and have a pretty good feel for her how do you guys pronounce this word I think oeuvre, but I'm not positive. I think it's oeuvre too. That's how it would be pronounced like in actual French, but I don't know. Her oeuvre. <laughs> Sounds fancy. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And think ouch is at least as good as, if not way better than, well, about half of what makes it on any given Britney album. And they're not wrong. Like this song is, that's the thing about unreleased Britney tracks. And I think it's why people have such an attachment to them is because we can't, wrap our heads around how you can hear it and not put it on on an album and just knowing that it just kind of lives in you know internet infamy or whatever and it'll never have a release is like so devastating it really is and i think though it really shows how much she owns everything she performs because you you really couldn't hear anyone else singing this song i think she has that way of putting her mark on material that is unlike a lot of other artists. Yeah, the MTV, that MTV News article said something about how, you know, Britney herself doesn't have like the strongest voice in the world, but she's very much like Madonna in that way where when she sings, she's created a sound that is iconic. And, um, you know, Madonna doesn't have a really strong, super strong voice either, but not having like a strong Beyonce voice doesn't mean you don't have one. It's just a different... It's strong in different ways. Um, 
and yeah I think that she definitely has that thing where it's like you you hear her voice and you know you can live in Antarctica or like South Africa or wherever and know that it's Brittany I think this also going back to the thing we talked about a few times about the personas like this to me is like Brittany being theatrical like I would love to know what she thought the backstory was of the person that she's like portraying here or what what the vibe is that she's going for because she's just putting so much mood and and attitude and just even that noise that she's making that she's singing with like I would just love to know what what she thought because Brittany definitely loves to create a backstory for anything like we always talk about the scene in in the zone and out all night when she's looking out the window and she's watching the guy walk down the street when she's in the car and she's like oh he's probably like she puts this whole story on this guy that she's literally just watching walk down the street so Brittany put a whole backstory on this song and how she like who she was singing as oh I love in the zone and out all night it's <laughs> so good but yeah this is uh this is a song that I mean if you guys have not been listening to the songs like this is one that I say if there's one from this album that you have to hear, it's definitely this one. It's just so, it's so cool. Um, I'm excited for this. Let's talk about Do Something. I really, I'm excited for this. Obviously, I've been talking about it the whole time. I love that it seems like Britney really had to fight for this song. Like, and what a gem worth fighting for. <laughs> right. it, this song, I can't listen to it and not shake my body as horrifying as <laughs> I just it it feels like one of those you're about to head out for the night and you need something to really just get you jazzed and this is definitely the song this is a good pre-gaming song like this is like let's take a shot girls before I, you know it's like it's very that <laughs> <laughs> yes Yes. And it's also like it has that energy and it has the it has like meeting drunk girls in the bathroom energy. Like if you met a bunch of drunk women in a bathroom, you would be compelled to make a mini music video on TikTok to this song. One thousand percent. When I was in high school, my best friend Julie and I used to um, we used to borrow her mom's Sebring convertible. Um, like the most suburban convertible. You are painting exists. such a picture already. I can't <laughs> wait to hear where this is going. <laughs> and she would be like fucking reeking of tanning lotion and like barefoot. And I would probably have some like $12 giant Starbucks that like contains no coffee. And we would just blare this song. Blare, like over and over. And whenever we would make mix CDs, we would put, do, instead of like going back to like whatever it is, we would just put do something on the CD like seven times so that every other song was do something. Like it just, it was a real song of the summer moment for me. This song has, it's besides being an amazing upbeat Britney song, it has a callback. Like who doesn't love that about a song? There's an AO. Everybody loves an AO. Oh, you're so right. It does have an AO. Oh. <laughs> that's that's what gets me every time. I can't hear that and not just be pumped. My fist is just in the air. Every AO. <laughs> well, this the interesting thing about this song is that so Britney directed the she co-directed the music video. 
under the name Mona Lisa with Billy Woodruff. And Billy had previously worked on Born to Make You Happy. They gave her basically no budget for this thing. Like they were like, you have to, if you want to do this or whatever, as you claim you're like, you're so desperate to put this out, we're not going to give you a lot of money for it. And you'll basically have less than a day to do it. So they shot this entire music video in five hours, which is insane. And Britney did all of the costuming, all of the choreography, and it's a low budget video. They had to cut a lot of corners and be really creative with what they had, which was basically nothing because they tried to strong arm her into giving up on it, basically. Um, but she didn't. And, you know, it. the video weirdly perfectly fits the song. Like the restrictions they put on her to not do it and her like fighting through it, they ended up, I think, making, it just gave it like its own vibe. I know we talked last episode about the letter of truth where she talked about being pissed at her record label for not, for her having to fight so hard to get this made and how unsupportive they were. But I do feel like you're right that that constraint allowed her to be more creative. And I have to imagine in the five hours that they shot this, she had so much fun. Like the the weird Britney is on display both in the recording of this song, but also in the video. Like, I feel like she was in her glory, like not to shout out the 2016 album. Like, I truly think that she was having the time of her life. Yeah, this is such a, a fun, high energy, amazing, just it. I, I feel invigorated when I listen to this song. Like some people feel invigorated when they go on a hike or... <laughs> I don't know. Do do something else that's probably more interesting than listening to listening to pop music. But Britney Spears is what invigorates me. I wrote a, uh, or I, I took a quote from the Britney Wiki, which, like I said, I got a lot of information about this album from, and I just thought this was really interesting. It just kind of sums up everything that I just said in a better way. Um, but it says the song was never planned to be released as a single. However, Spears wanted to shoot a music video for the song, and had to fight with her record label to do it. She explained that she was, in quotes, a little disappointed that she never, that she had to convince them that making this video was the right thing to do at the time. Do Something was released as a single, as the second single from Greatest Hits My Prerogative on February 14, 2005. And although the song was not in the United States, it charted on many of Billboard's com- uh, component charts due to digital download and reached number 100 on the uh, Hot 100 chart. And it was also successful worldwide. It had huge success in other countries. And I don't know if it's just because this is specific to my life or not, but I remember this song being a big, like when they mentioned the digital download thing, like this was like early downloading music. And like, this song specifically is like where that really started for Britney, like digital downloads i remember do something being a really big internet song yeah yeah i think you're right about that because i remember it was still really early in that sort of concept (laughs) and there was a lot of buzz around it as a result i wish that it got more radio play because that's the one thing it really didn't get mostly because her team did not put you know the the effort into promoting it but it it sucked because it just had it has such good positive vibes that you 
like I said, you can't hear this song and not get up and dance. I still don't know what I would do when the crowd goes AO. And it has been years that I've been listening to this song. So I, I do feel like I'm a little bit, I'm still way, way far behind whatever curve Brittany was riding. <laughs> well, it depends. It's, it's, it's while they're standing on the wall and the music's falling everywhere. <laughs> and I love that the song is just about people staring at her dance. Like, I love the simplicity of that. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, Britney's in a flying car. We're still driving on the ground. So like in 2021. So this was ahead of the curve on all, truly on all levels. Oh yeah, I guess it, I should say, um, well, first I do want to make the point, and this is not to, of course, to give any sort of like merit to her record label, but to play devil's advocate based on like what I was reading, one of the reasons I think that her team, I think one of the things that plays into her team not wanting to release this music, and I don't think it gets talked about a lot, I don't think it's the only reason, but I think it's a factor, is that so many of these songs were produced by Bloodshine Avant, and at this point, because Toxic was so successful, Jive kept using Bloodshine Avant to write her music, which was great, like, they did really great things together, um, obviously, but the label did, somebody from the label did at one point say like, they were just sick of her having all these songs with the same producers. And they are on a lot of original doll and, you know, they're on Toxic and they were on I've Just Begun Having My Fun. And they really had like consecutively done a lot of work together. I guess I get that, but also at the same time, like it would be one thing if they were creating the same song over and over and like, this song to me does not sound at all. Like this song is really unique sounding. That's one of the reasons I think it's so fun to listen to. So to me that just, well, I'm, I'm sure that maybe is plausible. It's too bad because I feel like this, had this been supported properly, like Jacqueline said, I think this would have done really, really well. And it, it, when you think about what else was on the radio in early 2005 like this would have stood out like this wouldn't have sounded like the other stuff that was being played at that time yeah it's so weird and it's it's just such a uniquely weird song and it's not like you said it doesn't sound like toxic it doesn't sound like any of the stuff that they had recorded together before um at all like and that's the fun thing about when Britney does work with Bloodshine Avant is that they make weird music together that's the fun of it yeah think about how i roll you know oh and do you know how much i love that amazing song? song i mean femme fatale just had a birthday like this week like oh my god that song when you when you think about that song versus what they did for her on blackout with freak show i just I, you can't argue with results <laughs> which it makes a lot of sense why i i really love do something because i don't I don't know that I always put together that they were behind that one, although I should have, because they also did I've Just Begun Having My Fun. And I think of I've Just Begun and Do Something as kind of sister songs for some reason. Me too. I really do think that. I think that they're like, and they, it's not because they sound the same. They really just feel like they're the same vibe. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I've Just Begun is one of my all-time favorite Britney songs. Like, it just makes me, it brings out the drunk college girl that is like trapped like black mirror trapped inside me 
<laughs> That's, I'm so glad that you also like that song. Because I know I'm taking us off track, but I do feel like it has a relationship to do something that I can't fully explain, but they just fit together really well. Yeah, totally. They're like, they're, sis- they're drunk sisters together. They're drunk, like wine cooler drunk sisters. I, Brittany probably loves wine coolers. That's an aside, but I would love to drink wine coolers with Brittany while doing some painting. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. She loves like a, a like a Zima, a Zima style wine cooler that's just like pina colada. <laughs> <clears throat> or like um, those Seagram's ones that um Cynthia Bailey was promoting a few years ago. <laughs> the peach ones. I feel like Brittany probably really likes peach flavor. It's very southern. <laughs> I found a really interesting quote that I loved from a website called Can't Stop the Pop, uh, which is like so on brand for this podcast to even be on a website called Can't Stop the Pop. Um, But it said, do something is in fact quite tricky to define. It sits as an amalgam of electro pop rock simultaneously sounding like all of them, but none of them. It's infused with a spiky delivery, which moves away from Britney's usual style. The chanted verses are performed in a slightly exaggerated tone that feels a little more spontaneous and improvised than the impeccably polished material that precedes it. What you gonna do when the crowd goes, ayo? <laughs> Why you're standing, this is my favorite part. Why you're standing on the wall? And he literally wrote it out. Music's starting every way, y'all. <laughs> so so why it's perfect. So good. <laughs> he said there's a sense that Britney Spears was experimenting with her voice and starting to play, play characters within her music. She's never so wacky here as she would be on future songs like Mm Poppy, but this is a tentative step in that direction, um, which is true. I know we talked about that a little bit earlier, but this is, this is Britney playing. She's like doing a, like her version of a Gaga thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's so interesting that she she likes to sort of disappear into these other alternative versions of Britney, let's say. <laughs> well, and I think it makes sense just thinking about the fact, I mean, unfortunately, I mean, maybe who knows what the future holds, but she never really got to develop her acting career as an adult the way that she would have liked. But we know that she really enjoyed acting too. So this was maybe that that creative outlet when she wasn't getting to do like traditional acting opportunities yeah and I have a um I have another quote here from Digital Spy this is from 2004 and it's about um I probably should have put this up at the top but it's about Mona Lisa and its relation to this video um it says Britney Spears has spoken about her unusual (laughs) her usual accreditation as Mona Lisa and new in the new video do something as well as choreographing the video, Spears also co-directed but chose to use her alter ego in the credits. The singer told MTV's TRL Monday, I kind of think she's like my alter ego whenever I feel like being mean or possibly like busting people around to get stuff right, it's kind of easier to be called Mona Lisa instead of Britney. She also revealed that making her direct directing debut was a, a, a doodle, doodle, ew. Uh, it's really kind of simple. It's about going to a club into a club I bet this quote is so fucking Britney it's really kind of simple it's about going into a club it's just staring at you and you're like get up and do something you know so just trying to get everybody to get up and dance and stuff like that that's basically it (laughs) (laughs) this just makes me think about the dance-off 
because we're talking about Britney in a club like that's just where my mind goes when I hear those words together (laughs) it's basically about a circus yeah it's really cool because we're just you know the song's called circus so the video is basically about a circus (laughs) (laughs) oh I adore her I know as gum pops into the microphone and the we can't stop the pop article I mentioned above also talks about the fact that when this song was, I think this is interesting and I would love to get you guys' take on this. So when this song was released, Britney was in the middle of this obviously really transitional period of her career uh, creatively and career-wise. And like what she had gone to represent in the music industry had changed. The music industry had itself had just changed so much from like 99 to you know 2004, 2005. And Britney felt, at this specific moment, it felt like the public didn't really know where to place her. And I think because of that, she was able to basically do whatever the fuck she wanted to the fact that at the end of the song, she just screams the word fuck. Britney, this is such, this moment is so important in her life, looking back, because it was such a fork in the road moment for her where it could have taken any turn. And obviously it took the worst turn short of dying that it could have taken, but there were so many possibilities and you can just feel that. Like, it just feels like she is almost like excited about how unsure she is of her career at the moment, because it just feels uh, unplanned. And her life at that point had been so planned and managed and, you know, controlled. I mean, I don't know about you, Troy. It's, it, I feel like it's hard to talk about those themes in Britney's world without talking about rebellion. <laughs> totally. I mean, it's. I think everything that you just sort of described is so on the nose about do something, and then it's like there are so many other possibilities of, like. I don't know what if she if she did have the platform to express herself even if she became more misunderstood would she at least have felt like she was able to release something that had obviously been building up inside um and just i i really do i like that take on it of her just entering into this period of like of her career that's unplanned unstructured and where she really had reached a, a threshold of not caring anymore if she was disappointing people or um if she was not the compliant person she had been up until this point the britney quote running through my head right now is just i'm a sagittarius that means i'm keen on freedom end quote absolutely should we talk about rebellion then yeah, I think it, we. It's, it's, there's no other place to go. <laughs> oh God. Okay, this is happening now. So obviously, I think rebellion is the most sort of internet famous, very very infamous online. Um, I think you know without any question, it's like aside from Mona Lisa, it really is like when people talk about you know Britney tracks that have all this meaning and you know that the Britney, you know, the unreleased tracks are the songs that she's really saying something. And Rebellion is sort of the peak, the pinnacle of that. And 
So we were first introduced to this song in 2006 when a very short snippet of it appeared on the homepage of her website. There was an image of her face morphing into a tiger in this very sort of like early 2000s, you know, uh, like CGI moment. And we get like a, there's like a, a, a tiger growling in the background. And I mean, just like that beginning part of like the we were, we were, like it almost makes me like scared. Like it's almost like this song brings up so many weird emotions for me. I don't know if it's like, it's definitely not happiness or joy. It, that those horns in the beginning of that sound in the beginning really feels like what I imagine the introduction for royalty to feel like when they're announced at a party. And, right, yes. but, but with a sort of dilapidatedness about it, as opposed to this really bright regalness. And I think that like this song really like, it like digs its hands in the dirt. I don't know how else to describe it. I think there's an ominousness here. I don't know if that's even a word, but it's, it's very foreboding. And I think even her delivery, because she's singing in her full voice, without like the usual Britney voice that we're used to like even that feels like very powerful but also like adds to kind of the gravity I feel like of of what we're hearing yeah there's a weight there's a weight to it it just feels and yeah like you said I mean it's it there's a distortion to the sound that is I guess the word that I would use to describe it is unsettling it's unsettling because it feels off it feels really dark and it feels dark in a way that I wouldn't even compare to blackout like blackout feels dark like like when I think of blackout I think of like a really like dimly lit nightclub that's like kind of grimy and like a little dirty this is dark in a way that's like dark dark like I've opened I like broke the lock on somebody's diary dark and I'm hearing something that I shouldn't be hearing yeah, this definitely has that that feel to it. It it feels like it it feels like discomfort <laughs> in in music. And it it sort of has like I feel like there's something that kind of pulses underneath this song that you can't quite put your finger on that brings it to that place of just like like weird sort of freaky like almost a haunted sound to it that that doesn't feel deliberate which makes it that much more strange like I don't think that that someone was like oh we're gonna make this song sound like dank and sort of seedy I think that it really happened more organically and like layers were put on top of it to just add to that I think that's the perfect description. It's got haunted house vibes, which like Britney is not, this isn't her first rodeo with a haunted house moment. I mean, it, it like, like when I think of like f- almost fun haunted house, like Scooby-Doo haunted house, I think of the song Scary. Yes. Like that's got like Halloween store vibes to me almost. Whereas this is like, yeah, like you said, it's, it's haunting. It's, this is like Hill House vibes. This is like, oh, I'm like literally scared. Um, yeah, actually, a family drama in a haunted house is exactly how I'd describe this. Right. <laughs> <Spot on. laughs> 
Okay, I'm gonna read these very dark-sided lyrics. Um, for anybody who hasn't heard them, buckle up. For anybody that has, you already know what you're expecting. This is a moment. This is a milestone moment on this podcast. Okay, cause your rebellion, be wary of others, the ones closest to you, the poison they feed you and the voodoo that they do. But in rebellion, there's a sparkle of truth. Don't just stand there, do what you've got to do. You'll find it in rebellion, your body starts breathing. They're not believing what they're seeing cause your rebellion. You'll find it so compelling with everyone yelling cause your soul, you're not selling cause your rebellion. <laughs> chills 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 I think part of the reason this song feels so creepy is just because of the way that it was put on her site like it feels to me like when that happened it really felt like are we even supposed to be seeing this and like obviously we talked a lot in the last episode about like how actually difficult it would have been for Britney to get that on her site without the label knowing and all of that stuff but it feels like you're hearing something maybe you're not supposed to because obviously the label doesn't think you're supposed to but like it feels like you're hearing some sort of actual cry for help or something that's part of the reason I think to use your word Troy that it's so unsettling because it feels like just creepy like what what am I even listening to right now like what's happening yeah and I think because it is so deliberately removed from the Britney brand it's so the opposite of what, you know, for the past at this point, it would have been like, you know, 10, 15 years, whatever, that we had grown accustomed to when it came to her. Um, You know, Brittany is like, in a lot of ways, a comfort listen. And sort of pulling the rug from under us in that way is just like, and with this song, it just hits different. And also, by the way, it's again, so the song itself is aside from like the lyrics and stuff, it's just so fucking weird in the best way possible. And I wish that Britney got more credit for having one of the weirdest catalogs in pop music history. She does not get enough credit for this. And it's really a shame because I think when you think of pop music in general, it's seen as very formulaic and very cheerful or catchy or whatever it is. And not to say that Britney's music isn't cheerful or catchy, but a lot of it can't be put easily into boxes that I think you'd usually think a pop song could be put into. Like her music is, is strange and like profoundly weird in a way that again, because it's Britney that's delivering these songs to us and and performing these songs, Britney, it's the weird Britney coming through. Yeah, definitely. With, without question. I, I think you're absolutely right, Troy. There's clearly like, she does she just doesn't fit in a lot of those boxes when it comes to her music the way that people i think make the assumption that she does and there's a lot there's just so much more artistry to what she does than she's given credit for yeah and we so this is something that we touched a lot on in part one um but so the lyrics of this song sort of go hand in hand with a, a poem uh the Love B Stream of Consciousness section of Britney's old website titled Remembrance of Who I Am. And I wrote down the poem. I've read pieces of it before in different contexts for this podcast, but I will go ahead and do it again. Um, she said, silly patterns that we follow, you pull me in, I'm being swallowed by the ones you think you love. They pull you down, you can't see up above. 
manipulation is the key. They screw it in because you're because you're naive. You come to me now. Why do you bother? Remember the Bible, the sins of the father. What you do, you pass down. No wonder why I lost my crown. You can't see me now. You ask yourself why. My crown is back and it's it's way too high for you to be in my presence, especially my son. You should bow down. I've only just begun. The guilt you fed me made me weak. The voodoo you did, I couldn't speak. You're awakening. The phone is ringing. Resurrection of my soul. The fear I'm bringing. What will you say? And what will you do? She's not the same person that you're used to. I think that that line that for you to be in my presence, especially my son, just hits like, yeah, like 10 times harder now. And I also, I think that like, just like we were saying about Britney's catalog being so funky, I like that so many of her poems kind of make their way into different songs. It almost reminds me of like, this is might be considered a reach, but like someone like Tupac, right? Who used bits and pieces of his writing in different tracks and kind of like tested out different sounds with the same lyrics. Like that's actually what a lot of the remembrance of who I am reminds me of. I think that's a really good comparison because it's a it's a very specific way of songwriting that's not yeah like I can't really think of many people like that like Tupac is just the best example where he would write like a poem or a, a short story or something and instead of turning that into like remembrance of who I am could have been a song but instead of it being a song it was the inspiration for a song and there are moments in this that are but then there are like there are little sentences and stuff in this that are in other songs. She creates like a little blueprint and then takes it and uses it for all these different things. I like that she doesn't feel confined by just one specific sort of strategy. And that she's it just shows a level of creativity. And I think just engagement with the art to not feel like it needs to be seen one way or interpreted one way. And I, I really respect. I also think it shows that for these themes that she wants to keep revisiting them and using, you know, snippets of this across different pieces and in different art forms, but that these are themes that, you know, she feels like she needs to keep revisiting and trying to work things out around. Yeah, and I also will say that this sort of plays into one of the things that I think bothers me about the sort of like fair weather people who are now, I guess, involved or invested or have sort of a faint interest in her conservatorship is like, like, I get a lot of messages from people being like, well, what do you think this means? And what does this mean? And at the end of the day, it's like, I'm down for like, you know, trying to getting the magnifying glass out and but at the same time, it's like, it almost doesn't matter because she's been so vocal on a surface level just about what is right and wrong in her life. And there's no need to speculate. Like, there's no need to speculate whether or not her dad is bad. You know what I mean? Or like, why? Yeah. There's no, like, this, these, these poems make it pretty fucking clear. And these are from her. 
This is not, you know, speculated or whatever. These are poems that she wrote to the public so that they would know that her, her life is fucked up and that she doesn't trust her label and her father is abusive. And there's no need to sort of speculate if it's true. Well, and, and this is also how long ago, you know, this is almost 20 years ago. Like it's, this has been what she's been repeating the whole time. And just because we couldn't hear directly from her really in the last 13 years, it doesn't matter because we were hearing from her before then. Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. That's the fact. It doesn't matter that she's not been able to, you know, be as vocal recently as, as she used to be. When she was vocal, she was very, very honest about all this stuff. And like her demands are so simple. She just doesn't want her dad to be in charge of her finances or her life. And she just doesn't want these like harmful people involved in her conservatorship. She's completely fine with having one. It's pretty, pretty simple. Like we could debate what a red refrigerator means on her Instagram, but like at the end of the day, it doesn't even really matter because her, her wishes have been laid out so clearly. Yeah. And I, I think that that weird desire to pick apart everything she does by well-meaning fans does sort of it's sort of exactly what she's been pushing back against because I do think Brittany is actually a very naturally creative person and I don't I think that when she's doing something with intent I do think it's much more of a blunt tool and I I don't think that she's the type of person to send more subtle messages, believe it or not. I, I think that she's always been kind of tongue in cheek and like get to the point about what she's trying to say. I mean, again, just the parts of this poem are so direct. Yeah, they could, she couldn't be more, like you said, just sort of blunt about it. Like she is very sort of direct when it comes to I mean, if you watch for the record, it's like the way that she just boldly says what the problem was, even when she talks about Justin and stuff and and her past and, you know, she's very bold about how she feels. She doesn't really hold back, especially now. I mean, when you, if you're comparing to the, you know, the way she used to talk to the public in like 99, of course, there's a major difference, but she's a grown ass woman now. Yeah, but even way back in the early years, she would still talk about how she was working so much. And yeah. she would pass yeah. off like pretty clear comments. Lisa and I did a lot of work to go back through all of her Rolling Stones and that just, it took forever. And it was like a really depressing series <laughs> like most of our series have been. But that was one where it was just, it was like a drumbeat. Every issue would come out with an interview with her and she would just be talking about how like the person that scheduled her tour was insane and how you know she took three days off and then was back on the road and it's just like this person was always telling you what was wrong do you guys want to talk about all that she wants i'm excited to hear your thoughts let's on this get one. to this one <laughs> so this song samples obviously the 1993 ace of bass song with the same name and um i mean this is another one that has little snippets that have been taken from Remembrance of Who I Am. And this song is said to have been written about her mom. Um, I'll go ahead and read the lyrics to this one first and then we can talk about it. So she said, all that she wants is another baby. She's gone tomorrow. Boy, all that she wants is another baby. 
needed a fight as an excuse to get away from me. You've misused. Sit there, make me look guilty. You will leave anyway. But with me, you have a career. I can't tell. I trained you men so well. No more, bo no more boosting your egos. Come on, you're smoking. What the hell? What the hell knows? I think that's wrong. Who the hell knows? Yeah, I think it's who the hell knows. <laughs> <laughs> no more chains that you gave me. Enough of the pain. Now I'm craving something sweet. So delight. Such a Britney lyric. How can you men stand sleeping at night? The silly pattern that I followed. I saw my mama being swallowed by the one who she loved. He pulled her down. Couldn't see up above. Manipulation was his key. He screwed it in because she was naive. We're not perfect, we must say. But now I've got to run away. Oh, God. Yeah, again, that's just such a good use of like the poem that she had already written. And, so, and it just proves that like when she does write poems that they mean so much in her life. They have such like a broad, um, they just have such a broad sort of meaning for everything that she's going through. Troy, you've read Lynn's book, Through the Storm, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, I regularly revisit Lynn's poetry. There's there's a connection there. There's a parallel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. Totally. And the fact that she, you know, she is sort of doing the same thing here, I believe, uh, as she did with Little Me, where it's like, this song is about her experiences through the eyes of, you know, her mom, like through the eyes of watching her mom and her dad. And, you know, now she's older and had some of the same experiences. It's just, it's really, it's really sad. I also think the pairing of all that she wants, that sample with these lyrics is such a choice because all that she wants is such a, I mean, it's an amazing pop song. It's one of my favorite early nineties pop songs, but it's such a, the dissonance of those two things, but also the lyrics of all that she wants are pretty dark for a pop song. If they're being read, because maybe they're talking about a, having another significant other, but also like, what if they're literally talking about babies or whatever? And I also think just from like a full circle perspective of like, Dennis Pop being the producer of All That She Wants and then Max Martin's significance in Britney's career but this not having that sound really compared to you know what you think of as like that quintessential Swedish pop sound yeah yeah for sure I I think that the sample is such a crazy thing and when she was in uh that James Corden karaoke whatever the hell that's called again, Carpool Karaoke. Carpool Karaoke. Sang this. I forgot about that. She You're right, yeah. Jacqueline. You're right. Oh my goodness. I completely, I did not even put that together. God, do you think she remembered that she even did this? 100%. She, There's no I, way. she must have, yeah. Don't they, don't the artists kind of say, like any songs that are in that, even if it's not their song, I'm assuming they no, get no. to say. It, it wasn't a song that he played. She literally just sang it because she was telling James Corden how she uh, she wants to have another baby. Oh yes, yes, yes. Wow. And he and he looks like completely shocked. Like you want a baby, but no man. And she's just like, yeah, like I'm not into that. Um, I have a whole plan about having more kids, but not 
like having a husband well, and then things so all that she wants is another baby i found a really interesting this whole article was really really cool but i got a little um quote from billboard it's from 2010 from ulf uckberg he's from the band and um he was sort of so they have like label connections so he actually like worked with britney on her version of the song and he said they wanted to release it but that was a difficult time for her he says it was only in denmark never finished and didn't end up on her album but it was cool though she took the choruses took away the verses and wrote new ones about her mom it was very strong and it's just like it's so crazy you know us as the public and like not being involved it's so crazy to think how many people actually, you know, this random guy, Ulf Ulkberg from the from fucking Ace of Base, has a connection to this, to her, and was able to see something that a lot of a lot of stuff that he probably shouldn't have seen or stuff that's like stuck with him. Like just how many people in the industry have seen the behind the scenes of this crazy situation. Yeah, I mean, I think even when she covered Can't Get No Satisfaction, I think even Mick Jagger said that he actually really liked her version. She clearly has an ear for, like, samples and what suits her and how to, like, deconstruct and reconstruct songs. And you're right, it's it's fascinating. And I wish that we knew more about her process. Uh, but she would just sort of laugh at that, the idea that she even has a process. Totally. Yes. And I I wish that people understood that, like, you know, I'm always, I constantly bring up um, Max Martin on this podcast because, you know, obviously, I, I mean, I really do, I think that Britney really, like, gave him a career in America in a lot of ways. And I know that he had worked with the Backstreet Boys and stuff, but, like, he really had become known for what he had done with Britney. Like that was just like a whole different level. And I wish people understood that what he and Britney, and I forget the other guy's name that was involved at the, at the time that helped like create her, um, her baby voice and stuff. Like they were like a team. Like Britney was just as much a part of the production of those songs and doing all of that weird creative stuff that for some reason was just hitting, like even down to her coming up with that version of her voice that became very famous. Like they were a production team together, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think that Britney more kind of put Max over the edge in the sense that I think it's a lot easier to write a song for a boy band than it is to write a song for a 16-year-old girl that feels like something that's going to resonate with other 16-year-old girls and younger. So for Max to be able to pull that off, I think really elevated his career, certainly, because it was kind of transcending. And the work that he's done with female artists since is, I think, only built on that even more. Yeah, Max's catalog is so insane. Like... I all the time like I'll just because like even the Spotify like this is Max Martin or whatever like doesn't even have half of the things you think would be on there and like some of the stuff he's written like I just keep like I'll be listening then I'll just like scream out loud like Max Martin's a musical genius 
Like it truly doesn't even make sense how many songs he's had a hand in. When I recorded the uh, the Oops episode with my friend Joe Gunn, we talked about, I told him that like Max used to have this signature thing like back in the 90s and early 2000s where, where he would like, basically take the chorus of the song at the very end and like rework the chorus and force you to learn a new chorus at the end of the song like you know 30 seconds before it ends and then that would like randomly end up always becoming the catchiest part of the song (laughs) like he really (laughs) is like a fucking music scientist it's crazy He's forgotten, like, more things than, like, other people have written in their whole life. Going back to MTV Diary, he when he's in it with Britney, that might be, like, the most thrilling part of the whole diary, which is really saying something, considering how many illuminating scenes are in that thing. Oh, God. I cannot. Yes. I, I can't wait to listen to you guys talk about diary. We spend, like, 25 to 30 minutes just on that sequence. Oh, <laughs> How could we not? There's so much just, and you never really see him or anything. So again, I just, this song, even though Max is not directly related to it, he's adjacently related to it. And that alone, I feel like just the almost like self-referential nature of kind of like the whole pop music, like full circle moment. Like I just appreciate it on that level alone. Never mind. Like these lyrics are seriously hitting very deep. Well, speaking of lyrics that hit very deep, let's talk about Someday I Will Understand. I'm anxious to hear what you guys think about this song. Oh, emotional, Brittany. Yeah, this is... Okay, well, let me just start by saying, so Brittany wrote this song at her house on the piano, the piano, as she would say, uh, two weeks before finding out that she was pregnant. A literal sorcerer and... This song is about her sort of understanding the meaning of life through motherhood and understanding her purpose, understanding why God, you know, does certain things to you and puts you in certain places, like truly figuring out her worth as a human being through the her future child. And then two weeks later, she finds out that she's pregnant. And it was, I think it's important to note that it was produced by, God, by a guy Sigworth who produced every time. And to me, it, it evokes the same, the same emotion, not the same feeling, but the same sort of like, wow, like this is a really emotional, beautiful song. Yeah, you know, it's funny. So I will say this has never been one of my favorites, but lyrically, you, it's, you just have to put into perspective how young she was. She was so young when she got pregnant with Sean Preston. And it it feels like by reading these lyrics that you just get that sense of somebody that was looking for some sort of ultimate truth and thought that that would happen through motherhood. And like women, whether you have kids or not, do have a complicated relationship with motherhood because so much of like our identities are put on whether like you are or not a mother or a good mother or don't want to be a mother or all these other things. And like, there's so much like pressure around women in that space. And like, when, when you see someone so young putting so much hope and projecting so much onto a person that's not even like fully arrived yet, Oh God, it just, 
it makes me clutch my chest a little bit because I'm like, oh, you poor thing. Like, I just, I feel like she was, she was just pulled in so many different directions and looking for something that would keep her centered. And that's so much pressure to put on a child. And it seems like almost the same type of pressure that was put on her through Lynn. Yeah, and I do think the other really interesting thing about this song is that like, you know, she, so this song got like abysmal reviews, like really, really, really bad reviews. People hated it. Even going back and trying to find positive reviews of it was like actually kind of hard. And I agree with you. I don't think the song itself is, I mean, it's not like, it's not, you know, it's not inventing the wheel by any means, right? It's not like so crazy. But like you said, it's more just the lyrics that you you have, as a fan, you have to be sort of blown away by. And it reminds me of how angry people were that she was pregnant. And not only that she was pregnant, but that she was pregnant by somebody that we didn't believe she deserved or somebody that we believed didn't deserve her. So her punishment for that was to just fucking trash her because we were so angry that she let Kevin into her life. And not only did he ruin everything, but he got her pregnant. And it was like, you know, it's just, it's really sad because like you said, there's a real sort of optimism in her in just in her spirit and her vibe during this time you see her being interviewed while they're filming this music video she just looks so optimistic about her future and just so excited about what was to come and it's just so horrific to think about what her pregnancy actually you know looked like I think this is definitely one of those songs. I would say in general, I skew more towards up-tempo Britney songs, no matter what. So this is definitely not one I listen to a lot, but I think you're right, Troy, that the the lyrics, like she's so sincere in these lyrics and in the video. And I think it really is something that when we talk about what the reaction might've been to this album as a whole and how devastating Britney might've found that, like this had to really... Not that I think it was the whole main thing she was focusing on. Obviously, she was focusing on being pregnant. And she was really happy um, to be pregnant and thinking about, you know, optimistically what she thought her life was going to be like once Preston was born. But it, it had to suck that this was something she was really sincerely excited about. And this, like you said, becomes kind of a transference of the public's disapproval of her pregnancy and then it's a disapproval of the song and making fun of the video and and all of the things attached to that so it, it this song makes me feel like protective of Britney because I feel like she's being so sincere here in a way that she also sometimes was in some of the earlier letters of truth where you know she's her honeymoon poem and in all of that stuff and it just makes me feel so sad for her knowing how a, no, nothing could ever match up to your, you know, wildest dreams and how optimistic you might be through youth, like Jacqueline said, but also just knowing what happened, like, it's just so sad to think about comparing it to, you know, what her hopes were. I found a quote from this guy, um, Mike McGurk, and I wrote this down because his, his review of this song was in response to the negative outpouring of people bashing her for releasing it. And he said, Britney now sings about either the husband or the kid. Sorry, people, it's a sad day for the middle-aged American male sicko. 
For everyone else, these bonus tracks further Spears' upward path of totally banging production and almost uncanny Prince channeling. And yeah, I mean, this song, this is like, there are some songs where I'm like, oh, you should have probably wrote, like recorded this on like a, a personal device, a Blackberry Bold, I guess would have been at the time or something like, it's very like my baby. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, I'm not going to be listening to my baby anytime soon. <laughs> but it's sweet. Excellent comparison. Yeah, you know? it's sweet and it's, it's sweet and it's sad. That, well, I don't know if it's necessarily sad that she's being so introspective and trying to find meaning. I think that's very natural. But there, there is something that gives you the sense that she was lost. Yeah, that actually, you saying that she was lost is like the perfect transition to reading these lyrics. She said, nothing seems to be the way that it used to. Everything seems shallow. God, give me truth in me and tell me somebody is watching over me. And that is all I'm praying is that, that's a weird lyric. And that is all I'm praying is that someday I will understand in God's whole plan and what he's done to me. Oh, but maybe someday I will breathe and finally see. I'll see it all in my baby. Don't fast, my dear. Why don't you stop? Just stop and listen to your tears. They've all, they're all you've got. It's in you. You see somebody is watching over you. And that is while I'm praying is that someday, but what? And she said, no matter, is that the correct lyric? No matter, no moment. Oh my God, moment. I'm losing my fucking <laughs> mind. No moment will be more true than the moment I look at you. And it's just like fucking nuts that she wrote this song not even knowing that she would be pregnant. I mean, it's like, I remember hearing that and being like, wow, for that alone, this is really a profound, you know, this really is Britney. She's a woman. Like, she really is a woman. We have such different sensibilities, Troy, because when I heard her say that, I was like, there's no way that you and KFED have been using condoms (laughs) for birth control for that song. Like, you at least knew there was a chance you were pregnant. There was probably a chance you were pregnant every month for the last three months. Okay. (laughs) March or whenever. When did he join her on tour? March. Oh, my God. So, you know how sometimes you, you know, like when you're little and you watch like a movie or you hear a lyric or something and you interpret it as a kid and then it carries through life that way? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's me realizing I didn't know how birth control worked. (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm like oh wait duh they were having sex in every room they walked yeah. into. on every surface oh my the, God. we I mean we said all the time when we were recapping chaotic that poor editor that because you oh know God, they weren't yeah. turning the camcorder off fast enough like the things that that editor <laughs> saw like dear God Felicia Colada she wants to fuck Colada <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the thing so every time I heard her say that I was just like yeah but you knew there was at least a pretty good chance you were pregnant <laughs> oh my god wow that is now I have an entirely new adult insight into this uh into this song I never thought about it ever oh my god that <laughs> so just goes to show that even when I was much younger I still had a completely filthy mind <laughs> <laughs> cynic through and through um and that's also so important to note that this song you know was very heavily compared to um ray of light and madonna's kabbalah era because that's what we naturally thought that she was going to be 
going into, and it is what she was going to go into. And we know for sure that on her honeymoon, she was writing music about being married and about motherhood and stuff. And she was going to release her version of Ray of Light. So, you know, there was the obvious, like, you know, this is, she's reached that point. Like, you know, the, the, the dance Britney that we've always known may, may be no longer, but it's so funny to see the way the public, Madonna and how excited people were for this enlightened you know spiritual Madonna compared to Britney who was like people were like girl if you don't get those abs back in check and dye that hair blonde again bitch we are coming for you like seriously yeah I think that it was Madonna was I think in that phase of her life when she was older and people felt like it was acceptable for her to kind of have made that transition. I do think that people kind of saw through a lot of what ended up ultimately being true about her relationship with Kevin and that she was really young. They were really immature. They were probably not equipped to build the life together that they tried to build And that is really sad because you don't want to necessarily give the public credit for like tearing her down. They were just enjoying that ride and spiral downward. Um, They weren't trying to actually forewarn her in any way that was constructive. And again, Brittany just had so many people telling her what to do for so long. This felt like, for her, it probably felt like a real moment of clarity, especially pre actually having a baby. And then I think it's after that, that I don't know, you're sort of confronted with the reality that you have to kind of make yourself whole and find your own truth. And that's not going to like, it's not going to happen through just the, the fact of being married and a mother. This song, I feel like is the one song again, not to knock it. Cause I, I don't think it's horrible. It's just, it's not my favorite, but I do feel like whereas a lot of the other songs we've talked about really leave me feeling like we didn't even get to hear. I mean, some of them, we literally didn't even get to hear the whole thing, but like they left me wanting more. Whereas if this was a direction Britney was going in, like just like for a lot of other artists, like the heartbreak and the turmoil is way more of a creative inspiration than when people are happy in their lives. Like, I think Adele obviously has said that before, but like, so have so many other people, but I don't know if those songs would have been, never mind what everyone wanted to hear. I don't, that's not what I would have wanted to hear. So I feel like when we're hearing these other songs that could have been on this album, this is the one where I don't feel like it left me wanting more. Yeah, I agree with that. I just, I don't think it was a smart decision to, and maybe that was Britney like pushing back, but like for this to be released to the public, it just doesn't even feel like, I mean, obviously like hindsight is like 2020, but like, I don't even think the public was like worthy of this moment. Like it was just like, this is something that should have just been for her. And I guess it was released as like a bonus, you know, we just filmed chaotic. Here's a little song thing at the end of the DVD or whatever. I guess it was released in that way but it it still it it feels like something that should have been for the baby book agreed totally totally agree (laughs) um 
Well, I guess th- we're at the last song, uh, Dramatic. And dun dun dun. <laughs> this song has a very interesting, very interesting internet history because there was a version of this song released with Heidi Montag, Montag like, like doing a Madonna thing with Britney. And it was sent to Ryan Seacrest, but Heidi denied having anything to do with it, which I love. Truly, that's like a word jumble of a sentence where it's like a Mad Libs of putting those names in there, <laughs> and I love it so much. I can't even handle it. She's like, a duet with me and Brittany released on accident? Leaked? Me? Not me. Like, okay, okay, <laughs> Meanwhile, Heidi. Spencer is like rubbing his hands together. It's, right. it's too good. It's too good. Um, okay, so I'll read the lyrics to this one, and then we can talk about it. I can't believe we're at the end. Um, she said, one more game, it's time to play. Play with me, I'm no more Miss Ni- Mrs. Nice Girl. No playing home ground, I'm not the same girl. You never rocked my world, you used me, tried to abuse me. The fame, the life, the fantasy, now back to reality. You're dramatic. The truth that lies can't hide, I'm not by your side. I'll let you drown in your drama, run to your mama, see if she can save you when I'm not around you. No, you're not the one I thought you were. Now there's another ringing my another ringing my bell. I'm under his spell. You're too dramatic. Understand it's over. Baby, fuck you. The things you did and never thought I'd get a clue. Yeah, you wanted me to be that that faithful to you. Not let nobody's body touch my body in positions that we only knew. Now I'm going to give him what he wants and more. Do all those explicit things that I told you no. <laughs> Places you couldn't go. You know where I'm talking. You're too dramatic. The lyrics of this song are fucking iconic. Just, wow. Chef's kiss. (laughs) Couldn't get better. So this is without question in my mind about Justin Timberlake. And we know this because she says, run to your mama. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Parenthesis, Lynn Harless. Like the, the baby fuck you line will always be my favorite lyric. But that last paragraph, like, I just always assumed, and again, maybe this is me being filthy, but like, she's talking about anal, right? I believe so. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it seems to be that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm glad that we're on. I don't think it's a place because... like the Ivy or like Teddy's. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's like the bathroom at like, yeah, Ledu. So. I also, I think that this is the song that and you guys correct me if you know this or if I'm wrong, but I remember reading about her recording in the same studio as him. Do you guys know this story? Yeah. Where she could hear him and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Is it it this song? I don't know if it was this song exactly, but it was like, it was probably in that 2004, 2003 period, because she met K-Fed in 2004. So I think it was in that 2003, like somewhere in the sort of in the zone period or tail end of that period where she was recording in the studio and, and Justin was also there recording some of his album and they, she was very professional about the whole thing, but it was pretty awkward. And it was like one of Jive's studios in uh, New York, I think. Yeah. I remember reading, um, 
reading one of the producers say like, you know, she definitely, definitely wanted to write a song about Justin and have the world know that it was about Justin. And she was even going to add a lyric about, um, she had plans to add like, to use the word justified. (laughs) You know what I mean? In the, um, in the song. So I'm pretty sure I think I, I, I could be wrong, but I think that it was this song that she was recording when he just so happened to be there. And I remember reading the producers say that it like made her nervous and stuff, but like, that's, oh God, that is so iconic. I, like I feel I, 20 feet tall. How, how could they really, the fact that we weren't blessed with a burn song from Britney towards Justin is really disappointing because nobody had earned it more than Justin Timberlake. And these lyrics are just absolutely to die for. And the way that she says dramatic in the song, it's like that dramatic. Like it's it's very like Moira Rose, but like with a whole different attitude. I just, I love everything about this song. It's so theatrical. Like I know I keep saying that for so many of these, but I, I totally envision her performing that like even while she's recording this like looking in a mirror and like making facial expressions while she's singing these lyrics 1000 percent, and like doing all of that like you know it's like Britney has such specific like um when she's being theatrical on stage and she does those like like who me those like touching the chest looking around moments you know like I could just <laughs> no I completely and that's literally what I was picturing her doing like kind of like her mouth kind of open looking around like coy like her version of what she thinks like being coy is like yes like covering her mouth and like like making like like uh, oh eyes and like all of that stuff like I can see all of that with this song this is like I mean if there if we were like ranking the songs that I'm the most upset by not having been released like this is really high up there this is up there because this would have been this would have been a moment like a response to justin this would have been a fucking cultural moment especially at that time oh my god well justin was you know on punked crying because you know zach or what what's that guy's name zach uh shepherd was pretending to be the fbi <laughs> because like Justin Timberlake doesn't know to ask people for credentials before they're like carrying shit out of his house. And who did he call? His mama. So I just love the I really, really love that middle finger to him. And then just the fact that she's gonna talk about all this other like filthy shit that they did together sounds it it's very apropos and would really have fit and I think flipped the narrative a little bit. I think she still would have been getting, like, would have been under fire because there was no escaping it for Britney. But I think for a lot of her audience, I think people would have felt so empowered by this about her sort of trying to take back control over the conversation. Right. And we know from Chaotic that Britney does love to call not only just Justin, but all men. She always says, y'all are mama's boys. That's like one of her favorite things to say. Y'all are all mama's boys. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that there there's obviously something to that from her perspective. I think you're so right that we missed out on such a pop culture. Like 
I've referenced the dance off previously, but like this would have been, I, I just can't even imagine like if this had been out, my mind would have exploded. I feel like if I had heard this and to Jacqueline's point, like this would have been so empowering to hear because, you know, so much of the narrative of, I mean, there's so many things that Justin did that were so fucked up, but the using whether or not they had sex and details about their sex life as part of the misogyny that he was wielding against her and to have that be turned on its face in a way in in this song like that that would have been really amazing I think Jacqueline's right that Brittany never would have the heat still would have been on her because she's a woman and Justin Timberlake's a a white man but I think it just would have I if this song had actually come because everyone's like oh every time is her response to cry me a river like no, like what? Like this would have been the response to Crimea River. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like just in a nutshell, and this is like a, I guess like a good way to to uh, sum up my thoughts on the whole album now that we're finished with it. This album is Britney no longer taking the high road. Like for somebody who was trained to always take the high road always to always just give a yes sir no sir you know respectful response to anything that anybody throws at you whether it's about your body about your voice about your 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 breasts fucking growing as a a kid you know if you're having sex it just all of it like she was always so respectful and this album is a it's a real big fuck you. It's just a big, like, I'm no longer taking the high road. Like, it's like, I'm a, I'm going to be petty for a little bit because I've never been allowed to be petty ever. Yeah, and that's, I think, the major appeal for the fan base and why this period in for her musically has stood the test of time and remained something that's a major point of fascination for real Britney fans. Because... I think when you're a true Britney fan, you really do pick up pieces of her personality and hearing like this entire body of work together is that sort of spunky, funny, tongue-in-cheek combination that she does so perfectly. Yeah, the the humor, I feel like that even in her phrasing of these lyrics that's there, I would have loved to hear Britney be interviewed about this song and what her responses would be. Like we would have gotten some major Britney, like Britney can be very clever. And like, I would have loved to hear her responses. For sure. She would have been so coy and so, oh, it would have been so good. And this was a real peak, like Britney in interview era. I love Britney's interviews during this time because she's so, comfortable and just doesn't give a a fuck at all and she's like her most like sort of goofy and just like doesn't care you know what I mean like she's been doing this now her whole life it's like she's much less concerned at this point about the no sirs and the yes sirs and the whatever and she just doesn't give a shit and it just would have been so oh it would have been really incredible to see her just take ownership of her life and for the first time just you know be sort of in control and just a woman a woman (laughs) yeah I think that um there's so much empowerment in this and it's hard to I mean it's hard to know I feel like in some ways we were sort of 
we were we had two eras kind of taken from us as Britney fans when it comes to original doll and also when it comes to blackout to some degree and obviously it's not about us Britney was having uh, was going through a lot of transitions during this whole time period from between in the zone through blackout but I I wish that she would have had the ability to communicate with her fans more directly the way that artists are now because you know, I don't even think that there's such a thing as one hit wonders anymore because every Joe Schmo has a fan base that is literally undyingly dedicated to them all the time. And if we had that ability to sort of plug in with Britney, with a fan base of her size, with, with the passion that we have, I, we would have carried these, these eras for her, hands down. I fucking imagine if she was able to tweet during the time that no. she had to, oh my, when she was like having to sneak onto her website and upload secret like fucking wingdings from Microsoft Office, could you imagine if she could tweet? Oh my god, if she could get on Instagram Live and be like, oh, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, the the access unfortunately just wasn't there, and. Again, it just became something where no matter what she did, it was misinterpreted. But I, I am so, so, so glad that so many of these songs did see the light of day, though. Even if we didn't get the album and the era that we deserved. Yeah, I guess we should end by saying like that, you know, these songs, um, they are shrouded in mystery and like cease and desist letters and there's so much weird, I mean, you could write a full, like, book about just, you could write a book about this time period and about the release of this album and the people that have died that were involved in it and, you know, the producers that, you know, just so happened to find, like, it lives in such infamy that, like, you know, 10, 11 years later, there are producers who have found, like, snippets of it on their computers and, tried to upload it but then they'll get like five cease and desist letters in a row and we also know that Sam Lutfi has copies of this demo because he was photographed with it like in his trunk or whatever because he has bag trash bags full of her stuff still so it's like it's just crazy the 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 internet present that presence that this album has and um, you know, this many years later that people still talk about it, like, kind of regularly. I think these songs, they held so much meaning at the time, but I think definitely in hindsight, and given everything that's happened in the time since they were recorded, they, it's just, it feels like you are kind of unlocking part of, of the story when, when you're reading these lyrics, when you're listening to these songs, and I think just to your point, Jacqueline, about kind of the fans moving, like the fans have made it so that some of these songs, even though they were never released, are so well known in a way that I can't really think. I mean, obviously lots of artists have unreleased songs that, you know, their fans at least appreciate, even if they're not known to the wider public. But I feel like that this has such kind of infamy for Britney fans is really kind of tells part of the story of how much the fans have really been, you know, piecing everything together as much as possible throughout her whole career, but especially 
you know, in, in the times where we weren't able to hear from her directly, whether it was during this original doll time where she wanted, you know, to do this in a certain way and was being prevented by the label or whatever, or more recently with the conservatorship. But I just feel like this, the, the power that these songs have, like, if you have never heard them before, I hope the takeaway would be how much artistry Britney has and, and how impressive these songs are. Like this album was not released because it wasn't good, which has always been, you know, one of the speculations, like this should have, this should have been released. People should know these songs. We've been saying it for, I, I don't even know how long I've been talking now, but like, what a shame that, that this wasn't a, a real release. Well, I want to thank you guys for doing this with me because this was so fun and this was just like this was fucking awesome like this couldn't have gone any better any more smooth and I I I feel like now we are like podcast sisters and I'm I'm obsessed with recording with you so we have to do something like this again oh Troy we have lots of ideas (laughs) we have a whole google doc of ideas Oh, I want to, I want to see it. Cause I'm like down, like this was so fun. So one of Troy, I will tell you one of our ideas is okay. to do an episode on sister songs. I'm so glad you brought that up Jacqueline. Cause that was what I was just going to say. <laughs> okay. So that might be something that we need to mull over because we've had such a great time doing um, these two episodes with you. And it's, it's just been so much fun. Thank you so much for having us. We like, never really thought that we would be doing crossover stuff like this and it was it's just such a natural fit with you we've had an amazing time and we hope that your listeners really like it oh they'll love it i i have pretty good instincts about things that they'll love and like so so love and i know that they're going to lose their shit over this especially because it's original doll and you know it doesn't really get talked about on the internet a lot i mean it does but it also kind of doesn't in a weird way so this will be huge and yeah and thank you guys for like allowing me into your space because like I know that you guys don't do stuff like this a lot so I feel very very grateful it's rare that we have such a honor of talking to somebody who wants to talk about Brittany as much as we do like Jacqueline and I are used to just either talking to the people around us until they literally tune us out and ignore us or just talking <laughs> to each other constantly so to be able to talk at this deep of a level with a Brittany scholar like truly the honor was all all ours oh my god well tell people where they can find your podcast and the first part of uh this this part two so we are at eatpraybritney.com. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. And you can also find us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at eatpraybritney. Um, and the first episode, like Troy said, was the original doll kind of history and making of to lead us into this, what I feel like was a dissertation, like truly piecing together English, like lit style, what, <laughs> what this is all about. well thank you guys so much i hope that you guys enjoyed it and uh that's it bye (laughs) thanks troy bye troy thank you for listening to dunzo this podcast is a part of the solid listen network please take a moment to rate review and subscribe if you haven't already also be sure to check out our patreon at patreon.com slash solid listen for exclusive content you can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at Dunzo Pod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. 
Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.